Okay, before we get into today's episode, we have some news. I have some news. This episode, episode 24, is is uh, the last episode that I have. I have no more episodes recorded. This is uh, the end of the rope, but not really. Um, but I am out episodes, so after this episode airs, there's going to be a bit of a hiatus with the show. Um, however, don't fret. Um, I am actively in the midst of recording new episodes and stockpiling them all over again. Um, when I started doing this, I recorded 18 or 19 episodes um, before I ever launched the very first episode because I wanted to have three to four months worth of weekly episodes in the can so I wasn't chasing my tail every week um, because that's how you get burned out and that happens a few times throughout my uh, cinematography career and I ain't doing that the chasing is bullshit because it makes you hate your job and your life and you become a depressed dickhead so um, yeah we're out of episodes but I have a whole guest list of people um, that I've reached out to and like I said I am actively recording brand new episodes so I'm not stopping this I'm not gonna give up on it I love doing this it's been a lot of fun um, I make uh, no money doing this I lose money doing it but it's okay because it's worth it and uh, yeah so there's gonna be maybe a month or two maybe a little longer maybe we'll come back the first of the year so there's gonna be a hiatus after this episode but if you follow the Instagram account um, we'll be, I'll be posting stuff, keeping everyone up to date, but do not worry. I'm still actively recording episodes. Brand new episodes are coming. Do not worry. I assure you this shit ain't going anywhere. We're going to keep at it and get another three to four months worth of episodes in the can and start dropping new ones. So just wanted to give, put that out there before we get into anything else. Um, but if someone wants to come along with some Joe Rogan money and pay me $100 million like Spotify, uh, I'll drop everything else and do this full time. Um, but otherwise, that's how we got to roll. Take a little break, stockpile another hopefully 20 or so episodes and cover my bases for four or five months. And yeah, that's the plan. Anyways. Um, episode 24, Jake Isaac, Red Bull, TLD, Gas Gas Racing Factory Mechanic. Um, met Jake this year doing the TLD docuseries uh, project that is getting very close to coming out. At least a teaser anyways. <clears throat> Should be out this month. Um, Jake is Pierce Brown's mechanic at TLD. And this was... A good conversation, a lot of fun. Jake's a really rad dude. He's got a very, very uh, hmm, outgoing personality. Um, super rad dude. Um, him and I, I mean, I've really bonded with the whole team and the whole crew. Um, but on race day, Jake and I have been um, doing this thing where we ask each other uh, just random questions throughout the day on race day and just a way to keep things kind of fun and light on what is a rather more serious day. Um, so we get into Jake's whole story. Jake grew up uh, in Whittier, California, and used to race uh, flat track. And then got into uh, working on his own bikes, and that turned into wanting to become a factory race mechanic. And he's got a pretty wild story of literally thinking it like, 
18 or 19 years old, he was actually going to go work for factory uh, Kawasaki. Um, and he shares that whole story, which was very interesting. Um, and then talks about how he ended up having a job interview with Mitch Payton at PC and how that went and didn't end up happening. And then how he ended up uh, getting his first uh, real mechanic job at the Bar X Suzuki team, working for Preston Kilroy and then Derek Drake. And then how that landed him a job on uh, the Red Bull TLD Gas Gas Factory Racing Team with uh, Mr. Pierce Brown. Super rad story. And I always know on like race day and stuff, there's always people coming up to the tent asking, hey, how do I, you know, who do I talk to to hand, like hand over my resume or how do I become a mechanic? That type of thing. There's no real clear cut answer to that. It's kind of the same as um, kind of the filmmaking side of this shit in the dirt bike world there's no real clear-cut path um and the same applies i would say for mechanics um but if that is something you're interested in um this is the episode jake answers i feel like all those questions and tells the story his journey his struggles the ebbs and flows the whole thing super rad conversation um really excited for everyone to hear this and hear the stories and his his interview with Mitch and the silent treatment from Mitch and how he planned for the silent treatment and um, how he ended up at Bar X with Larry Brooks and not really knowing the status of Larry Brooks and what he had accomplished and that being a blessing in disguise and um, yeah, rad conversation so I hope everyone enjoys and uh, when the season rolls around for A1 uh, go say hi to Jake, good dude super good dude um, alright what else we got here uh we're on instagram at underscore the failed experiment black and white portraits of each guest that i haven't done um for the last couple episodes because in, unlike digital i gotta actually shoot my whole um roll of film before i can turn them in to get developed and i have black and white portraits of jake but uh i'm not able to uh drop my film off until tomorrow because I just finished shooting on that roll. So check back later this week for black and white portraits of Jake at the race shop. And uh, other guests as well. Reels. Old deal. Um, and then what else? Facebook, Twitter X, whatever the fuck they call it. We're there. YouTube at underscore TFE. All the reels from Instagram migrate over to YouTube as well, but uh, I'm behind. And if you want to support further, uh, at Venmo, Kyle Cowling, donate a couple bucks to a sponsorless podcast. Or if you check out the show notes, there's a new feature in here where you can um, subscribe directly to the show um, and throw a couple bucks every month that way if you want uh, or don't, your choice. And um, what else? What else? Uh, wish list, guest wish list. Um, I mean, you know the drill if you've been listening. Jenny Taft, Brittany Force, Molly Carlson, Toby Morris, Matt Rabano, Ronda Rousey, um, Jenny Taft, Jenny Taft, and uh, I don't know if I mentioned Jenny Taft, but seriously, come on. One of you fuckers knows her. Link it up. I would love to make it happen. I think it'd be super rad. Um... Yeah, and uh, if there's anyone I haven't had on that you think would be good, let me know. Shoot me a DM, email, text, whatever. 
and uh, I'll try to connect the docs, dots and make it happen. And if you know that person directly, even better, link us up. Makes my life easier. Um, yeah. All right. That's it. Long-winded intro. Enjoy the last episode for the next couple of months. Um, in the meantime, definitely keep the Instagram page to uh, keep up on who I'm sitting down with in the future. But like I said, don't fret. Got people on a schedule. Athletes, more race mechanics, um, first responders, cinematographers, um, journalists, comedians. We got some good shit coming that's happening. So I'm stoked. Um, all right. Here we go. Episode 24. Factory, TLD, Red Bull, that's backwards. Hmm, fuck, I should know this. Uh, episode 24, Red Bull, TLD, Gas Gas, Factory Race Mechanic, for Mr. Pierce Brown, Jake, Isaac. Thank you, my friend, for coming on. It was a blast, and let's do this. Enjoy. We'll see if we finish before the mailman gets on our block, but... Uh, All the dogs barking? Eleanor cannot. She can't. Oh. We, like, she knows when he's across the street. Really? And just the whole time until he comes, she, she just, barks. yeah, loses it. All right. So, hopefully, well, hopefully they're not working today. Oh, yeah. It's like, keep forgetting it's a holiday, too. Yeah. We should be fine, then. Yeah. Yeah. Sweet. Get him out of my pocket. I don't know if you... Have you listened to any of these at all? Uh... Not any of yours, unfortunately. Okay. I'm sorry. No, it's fine. I should have, actually. <laughs> it's all good. The um, one I did want to watch, didn't you do one with film guy Tom? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, his, that, yeah his isn't out yet. Okay, that was one I wanted to listen yeah. to. Because you did that in the hotel, right? Yeah, we did it yeah. in Unadilla on uh-huh. Friday night. Yeah. That's right. Because I saw you posted about that. Like, yeah, hey, when is that? Cool. Actually, I can pull up when that comes out. Yeah, he isn't out yet. Um... His was pretty good. His comes out Monday, September 25th. Okay. And then you'll be in October. All right. That'll be yeah. cool. Try to, like, yeah. push these out. Like, mm-hmm. do my, like, make make it easier on myself. So well, I'm for not, sure. Like, yeah. You don't need to just pump it all out at once. No. Next day. No. Oh, my gosh. No. Um, but they're all super, like, super casual and, like, very conversational. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. Laugh, scream, cuss, cry, ask me shit. Like, it's, okay. all, yeah. it's all fair game. Okay. It's all like, yeah. Perfect. I don't have to worry about censoring myself. No, no. I'm, it's cool, too, like, to sit down with you, like, as a race mechanic, because I know, like, I see it here, yeah. like, hey, how do I become a race mechanic? How all do I time. get your job? Like, all the time. Yeah. Now, you, now you have a calling card. You'd be like, yeah. go listen to this. Actually, here you go, episode 135. <laughs> yeah, talk all about it. Yeah. How so, close do I need to be to the um, mic? If you can bring it, like, to the edge. Closer the better, yeah. Perfect. Yeah. So we just talk right into it. Kind of, like make love to it, you know. Yeah. <laughs> um, Kiss it every now and then. Yeah. A smooth. Whatever. Yeah. Whatever feels right. <laughs> um, sweet. So I like I like to start kind of at the beginning with everyone and just kind of work our way through. And we might jump around too. Like, okay. So can, That's fine. I mean, all. my background's pretty wild. So um, it was yeah. all over. It's there's a lot of little things that have led to her yeah i'm um, stoked to like get into it yeah and i have at the end i ask everyone like a handful of questions like the same questions that like we do end. on race day yeah like what, okay. what we've been doing okay. on race day i i got one this morning that Ooh, okay. you might have to wait like you might need time you might have okay. to answer me this weekend okay i, was I like, like those ones i was like oh 
This would be good for Jake. That's a good one. I'm ready. <laughs> yeah. Um, cool. We're rolling. Um, so grew up Whittier, right? Whittier. Yep. What, what was it like growing up in Whittier, California? Well, my mom's from Michigan. My dad's from Canada, Niagara Falls area. Okay. And, uh, they both came out here and said, this weather's too nice. We're not leaving. Mm -hmm. And then they actually lived in Culver city, then moved to Whittier when they got married, had me. Um, but Whittier's kind of weird in a way that it's not very well known. It's not like a long beach or a, you know, one of those places. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a small, Oh, where, where is that again? And, um, it was cool because where I was at was I would ride my bike around my house every day. And that was kind of my, my free time was I would ride BMX bikes around the block. And I remember they would like tear up the road and I would be like making jumps in yeah. the dirt. And yeah. so I knew the construction guys hated me cause they'd come back and there'd be jumps everywhere. But, yeah. um, no, it was, it was good. Um, I think I still had, you know, a lot of moto kids don't really have, uh, I guess a normal life, I guess no. you could say, but I was a, I was a public school kid. I'm just a regular kid, I think. Okay. Um, but I raced speedway growing up. Okay. And so there was a track industry speedway mm-hmm. was like Hacienda Heights, industry Hills area. Okay. So it was 20 minutes from my house, 30 minutes with traffic. And those were every Wednesday night. And that was kind of my growing up. Every Wednesday night, I would be at Industry Speedway yeah. racing, whether it was my TTR 50 and mm-hmm. then all the way up to when I went pro as a Speedway racer. It was um, it was every summer, every Wednesday, I was okay. I was racing there. Um, so, no, Whittier, Whittier was cool. And then I, I stayed there all through high school. And it was only recently I moved, moved out. I went to West Virginia for six months to be uh, – for the motorcycle mechanic school, the Scotty M- Adkins M- school. MMI or something No, different? no. It's called Pro SX MX Tech in West Virginia. Okay. Scott Adkins runs it. He was a mechanic for Star and he's, he's got a whole, okay. he's got his own whole long list of, of riders he's worked for. And then yeah. he, uh, moved back home, started his own school in West Virginia. So I went from Whittier to West Virginia for six months and then came back and then I moved to Menifee where I live now. Um, so yeah, it's only recently I've moved away from there. How, so how did you get into like flat track speedway racing? So my dad growing up in Canada was a huge fan of moto of everything. He, he, his family growing up, um, my dad's dad, my grandpa died when my dad was four. So he never had a dad. Um, his mom was very strict and, uh, he was just in love with motorcycles, but never could, like, he never could follow that passion. Like mm-hmm. anything that was his, he was sorry. No, you're good. Yeah. Anything, um, anything motorcycle related was just shunned upon growing mm-hmm. up. So he, uh, he just would read magazines and it was it's crazy. The first motorcycle race he went to, he raced in, like he had never gone to a motorcycle race and just watched. Yeah, he signed up. Exactly. So he he was just a huge motorcycle fan growing Uh up. And then... Was it Speedway or... It was everything. Flat track, moto, Speedway. Um, Speedway wasn't as big in Canada, but he would always see it in the magazines and thought it was super cool. Okay. Um, So then fast forward to he moves out to California, 
before I was born, he was road racing at Willow Springs. Um, and then he raced Speedway himself at Industry Hills. It was down the street from Whittier and he was like, Oh, I got to get a bike. So he got a bike, started racing Speedway. And then in 2005, he broke his back. He compressed uh, the cartilage between, I think it's T4 and T5, something like that. Well, he compressed the cartilage in his vertebrae. It was in a back brace for a long time. And I was, how old would I have been? Three, four. I was four. And so he was like, all right, I got it. I'm done racing. I'm going to focus on my kid. And uh, it was, I was six years old, Christmas when I was six years old. So it would have been 2008. Okay. I got a TTR 50 and that was like, oh my God, this is my first dirt bike, which before then I was kind of, you know, oh, dirt bikes are kind of cool or bicycles. Like that was, it was just cool, but it was never, you hear most kids at three, they were already racing, you know, and I, I wasn't that kid. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, six years old, got my first bike riding around the backyard, stuff like that. And then Costa Mesa Speedway, right down no, the street. Right they, the street. Uh, they used to have these uh, training days. So Saturdays during the day, they would have like a training camp okay. um, for guys like my dad to learn how to ride better. Mm-hmm. But they also had some for kids, like a, kids on 50s that would um, go out and want to race. So my dad done racing. He didn't do that. But it was basically my chance to actually ride on a track, mm-hmm. on, a, on a flat track. And... Um, yeah, I, it there was no plan of going racing that that night because normally they would practice in the day and then race at night. Yeah, but we were just going out there just to ride. And then, so anyways, go through do the three sessions we got or whatever, and and we were already there. And my dad's like, "Hey, you uh, you want to race?" And I'm like, "Sure, yeah." Like I, as a little six year old kid, I didn't know yeah, what no. was involved. You know, I'm like, "Okay, I just got to do what I just did." Fine. Yeah, and so. I'm asleep in the lawn chair or hanging out just in our corner. My dad's hanging out with his old Speedway buddies. And um, and then I remember pulling up to the tapes and it's like dark and the lights are on. There's people in the stands. And I'm like, oh, my God, what did I do? You yeah. know, it's like rolling into I, A1. Yeah, I know. That's, it was my version of A1, basically. Yeah. And I had no idea it was A1. So um, <laughs> so then I, uh, yeah, I go out, and, <laughs> go out and do it. And um yeah, it was – I got dead last. I think I got lapped. I didn't care though. It was fun, you know? Yeah. And that was yeah. the whole basis of me riding growing up. Was it was just <laughs> something <laughs> – Hey. <laughs> Eleanor. Mailman. Maybe. Sure. <laughs> Do you want to rewind? No. No? Okay. We rolled oh. the punches here. All right. So, um, anyways, that was the whole basis for me and my dad racing was just to have fun. It was yeah. it was time for me and my dad to just be together and and grow up. Just go to the races, have fun, hang out. Yeah. And then that evolved to, you know, me like I they called it the national championship, where for the the big bikes it was one night Costa Mesa Speedway National, and so yeah, that was my. You know, that was my pro motocross championship, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. So it was one night and towards the end of my, my peewee career, yeah. I, uh, had made a bet with my dad, like, okay, like if I win this dad, I'm going to get a bike with a clutch. Cause at the time I only had a TTR 50. Yeah. 
And we didn't have money growing up. There's other kids that got KTM 65s and all this mm-hmm. stuff. And so for me to get a bike with a clutch was like the next step. And uh, anyways, fast forward. I win and I throw my goggles in the stand. It was, it was a huge, it was a whole thing. I was, I was so pumped. And, um, but I got a, a CRF 80. And so that was my bike with the collection. Um, but worked my way up and then, so that was at a 50 at fifties and then the CRF 80, whatever. Um, there was Billy Hamill's Speedway Academies, okay. which was, they teach kids how to ride an actual speedway bike or a junior speedway bike, they called it. Mm-hmm. Um, and this was out in uh, San Bernardino. Um, basically, you'd show up, get your boots with a steel shoe, and you get to ride a bike and get taught by Billy Hamill, who's world champion. Like, guy's legit. And, uh, again, it was one of those things where my dad and I were just going to go out for fun and see what see what happened. Yeah. And they were these spec... 150s, they're uh, like the Chinese 150 pit bike motors that they put in junior speedway bike frames. Okay. And it is, it's basically just to teach kids the fundamentals of sliding a speedway bike. Um, the, they don't have enough horsepower to ride it like you would a 500, but um, it gives you the fundamentals of sliding. So for me, it was the highest CC bike I've ever ridden it was a 150 and He's basically, Billy Hamill, he's basically just telling you, like, just be smooth with the throttle and learn how to ride the bike. Mm-hmm. And I'm out there, my neck swinging back and forth, and I've got my helmet. It's like, <laughs> oh, it's throwing my neck back. Yeah. And my dad tells me the story now, but he's like, yeah, Billy looked at me and he said, I don't think this kid's going to work out, you know? <laughs> and, and then fast forward, I'm winning junior national or uh, state championships and third in the, in the nation. But anyways, um, it's funny that the first day my neck's thrown back and forth and Billy's yeah. like, I don't think this is going to work, yeah. but same thing that led to me getting a junior speedway bike. And then me and my dad racing and then working on the speedway bike in the garage and getting better. And, and my dad's like, okay, we got a couple of years before he's going to get good. And then I'm battling for wins. And my dad's like, damn it. Like, this is going to cost a lot of money. So then this is a 150 class. So you're going through a tire half a season, you know, like you, you mm. don't burn stuff up and you just put pump gas in it. You're fine. Yeah. So then go to two fifties, same thing. My dad's like, all right, two fifties, whole new class. These kids are way faster. It's going to take them a year, two years before he starts getting up to speed. First race I'm battling with the national champion trying to win. Right. And my dad's like, damn it, dude, this kid keeps spending money. Right. And so we keep on racing, keep on racing, figuring it out. And, uh, around that time when I moved up to two fifties, even before on one fifties, but that was when I was really getting into working on the bikes and tuning and in middle school to my first supercross race was 2011. So, I was not a big moto fan before that, to be honest. I was my, you know, most kids grow up watching Krusty Demons and yeah. stuff like that. I had a VHS tape of the 1999 Gravity Games with Travis Pastrana, okay. and that was my, that was my Krusty Demons was okay. was the Gravity Games, which yeah. it's not, you know, it's nothing special, but yeah. Um, it was the Foo Fighters edit with Travis Pastrana doing the Lazy Boy. And it, it was just yeah. cool to me, you know? Yeah. And so I didn't know any of these names. Like I knew Chad Reed and James Stewart because they were Chad Reed, Chad Reed and James Stewart. But um, 
with my first race, my first supercross race, I should say, um, me and my dad are walking around the pits and I'm seeing the semi truck and, and just everything. And I'm like, wow, this is, this is cool. Yeah. I had never seen anything like this before. Yeah. And, uh, and my dad knew one of the guys that worked at Dunlop growing up racing. They grew up in the same area and the, my dad had no idea. Like they hadn't seen each other in years. Les Washbond's his name. He he's passed now, but, um, yeah, Les, he was changing tires for Dunlop and, um, and see my dad and, oh, hey, how you doing? And I got a tour of the Dunlop truck. That was the first semi-truck I ever got a tour of. And I'm okay. like, oh, my God, look at all these tires. This is so cool. Yeah. Not even in a race truck. I was just in the Dunlop truck. There's yeah. nothing special in there. But it was just so cool to see the behind the scenes of everything. And that kind of sparked my, like, huh, this is actually really cool. And so kept that in the back of my mind as I'm growing up racing and – um I'm kind of jumping all over the place. Yeah, here. no. What, but, what with going to the Supercross in 2011? What even sparked the interest for you guys to be like, hey, let's go check this out? So my my dad was like, oh, you know, he's always heard about Supercross, and we had Speedway buddies talking about, oh, are you going to Supercross mm-hmm. and stuff? But we had never been. I went to a Monster Jam before I went to a Supercross, which okay. is crazy to say. But yeah. Um, yeah, it was mostly just people talking, and we weren't that big of Moto fans growing up. It's kind of it's crazy, but we weren't. Yeah. And, um, it, it wasn't till then that we got really into it. And even then I was always more into it with my dad cause I was keeping up with all the riders and who's yeah. up and coming. And that's the same to this day. Well, so like aside from like your, your tour, the Dunlop rig, like yeah. just being like in the stadium at night on the lights and like watching yeah. that, like as a, how old are you? Like I was, uh, 10 or nine. 11? Nine? I was okay. nine. Yeah. yeah. Well, like, are you just like, holy shit or definitely. Yeah. Oh yeah. We were, we hung out in the pits, made some, we had chicken wings. We went to Albertsons and got, we get these, I don't even think they have them anymore, but this is like the memories that I have going, going to Supercross with my yeah. dad was we would get, they're like honey wings and my dad would get like the buffalo wings and add his own hot sauce to them. And we just okay. sit in the bed of the truck, yeah. wait for the races to start. I'd bring my bike and my scooters and we'd all just hang out. Yeah. And, uh, and then we'd go tour the pits and then. During the racing, we would get so we would always go to A one Angel yep. Stadium, yep. and it was freezing cold the first time we went. And we were, my dad was like, "Oh, I didn't want to like get condiments or anything. Like, I just got plain hot dogs." I'm like, "Cool." They were honestly really good. And from that day forward, we just called plain hot dogs Angel Dogs or Angel Style, <laughs> and that was how like yeah. I'll eat a hot dog Angel Style to this day. That's just how that's how we called it. But yeah, um, no being. In the pitch, just seeing everything. And I was in love with Traxxas cars. So they had the Traxxas, mm, yeah, you know, you yeah. drive the Traxxas cars around and all the demos and stuff. And there's, I saw this picture yesterday. They used to have the bike where you could hang upside down. <laughs> I got my jersey signed by McGrath at the Attitude RV, you know, area. It was just so, so cool. Good. It was so cool. So good. And um, so, yeah, it was definitely like, a, oh, wow, this is, this is badass. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Um, yeah, no, it was just, it was badass. So fast forward to me in middle school, high school, I was always working in the garage with my dad late nights, fixing stuff, figuring out how to make stuff better, cooler, whatever it was. We didn't have the money to have all the trick parts or anything. So we were making what we had work. And it was, it was cool because it taught me, it just taught me a lot. My dad taught me so much about how, how things worked. Mm-hmm. And then I had this vision of being a, a moto mechanic. So it was really like that first supercross and then going 
the next two years after that was like, okay, this is really, really cool. Yeah. And it's that spark is still there. Yeah. Um, and I think I'd be really good at this. Um, so in the garage working on my own stuff and now I'm picturing myself working out of a semi truck and okay, how would they do it? And I'd lay all my parts out and lay out all my tools, keep everything clean. Yeah. And like my dad had never done done that you know so it was i was kind of pushing my dad to like all right like i got it dad don't worry I, like don't touch it yeah and like at a certain point i would just do all the work on the bike like he would oh. find other stuff like he would change the tires and do the other stuff but i'm like no like i want to do everything else dad you're good yeah but we were still just shooting the shit in the garage so it was awesome father-son time growing up but yeah. then it also taught me a lot of the fundamentals of how stuff worked and everything like that yeah um was there a lot of like trial and error for you? A thousand percent. That's yeah. that's mostly how I learned was just tinkering. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I let. I uh, like I said. <laughs> uh, Traxxas cars in love with Traxxas cars. Yeah. I of course smashed it into a curb, broke an A arm on it. <laughs> but I had my dad like, hey, okay, I went on the Traxxas website, looked at the parts fish. Okay, this is the part I broke. This is what I need. Yeah. My dad ordered it. And he was like, okay, when I get home from work, we'll put it together. And I had already finished. I got home from school and I'm like, I can figure this out. Took the wheel off, took little bolts out, replaced yeah. it. And I was playing with it in the front yard when my dad got home. Like it was already fixed. And he was like, whoa, you did that all by yourself? I'm like, yeah, I just figured it out. Yeah. But that was the, the, the part of my life where if I didn't have that curiosity to work on stuff, it would have been. I think a little different. Um, yeah, yeah. Just the the opportunity to work with my dad in the garage, I think, helped helped a lot with those decisions. But yeah, for sure. Um, again, jumping all over the place here. No, you're but, good. But um, <laughs> soon you can be the co-host. <laughs> One of these days. Yeah. Um. So, yeah. So go ahead. So, are you you're you're discovering this passion of the mechanic side of things and working and tinkering. Mm-hmm. Um, I like racing wise, obviously you turned pro, mm-hmm. but uh, like where was that in relation to like this new kind of idea of, oh, so I was in middle school, maybe freshman in high school when mm-hmm. I had said, this is the path I'm going to go down. I don't know how I'm going to get there or what I'm going to do. Mm-hmm. Cause at that point I didn't know anybody in the moto industry. Like, Speedway's pretty small. Yeah. And there's yeah. a handful of people that have a buddy or do that, but nobody's like it, it's not the same. Yeah. So then uh for me in middle school, high school, I just kind of put my head down and was like, I'm this is where I'm gonna go. Yeah. Um I was still on junior speedway, so I was on a two fifty. It's a full size speedway bike, just a smaller engine, pretty yeah. much like a two fifty or four fifty. Yeah. Um it's pretty much the same thing. So, um, I won the state championship doing that. And then the best I did on that was third in the U S at the national championship in 2017. That was my best year. I've got the state title and, and third. Yeah. Um, but yeah, even then I still had this, like, I I don't want to be a speedway racer to be a speedway racer pro. You got to go live in Europe and you have to, devote your entire life to it and mm. even then you're barely scraping by unless you're one of the top six guys you know it's it's hard to be a top guy mm-hmm. over there you have to sacrifice a lot now that just wasn't it didn't interest me at all yeah so for me i knew i was good at working with my hands i was 
inclined mechanically and I loved going to the races and I could make a living as a promoter mechanic. It was, it was a done deal for me. Um, so in high school I was like, okay, I'll go to MMI and go there for two years, whether there were two locations in Phoenix or Florida. Yeah. And I was like, Oh, I don't know. I'll, I'll figure that out when I get closer. Yeah. So I was like, okay, I'm going to go MMI and then work my way in. Didn't know how I was going to do it. Didn't know anybody, but I was always looking for an opportunity or a person to talk to. Yeah. And then, so in the 150 class on the Chinese pit bikes, when I first started, it was out of hand. People were cheating everywhere. And it's a pit bike. It's a pit bike. You can find cheater stuff on everywhere. Yeah. And uh, so thin head gaskets. For, uh, you had valve springs. People taking the transmissions out because we only use third gear. We didn't shift. We just dropped the clutch in third. Okay. Bump started it just like a regular speedway bike. But you had people taking transmissions out. It got out of control. Yeah. It was me and my dad. We could barely afford the $450 crate engine shipped to the house, let alone go through and find a good carburetor. Because it was it was pick of the litter. It's all Chinese crap. So it's you're getting one good thing here, one good thing there. Okay. And we're racing against people that have 12 engines and are dynoing all of them and we're working out of the garage. Like I, yeah. I don't even have a stainless workbench. I just got wood, you know, like, this is what compared to what we're working with, you know? Yeah. And, um, so I won the gumball rally, which is, it's a old race that goes way back. And, um, one of the biggest races of the year where there were a handful of junior races that were big, but okay. we won that against the guys that had the engines that had everything. And I remember looking at my dad and we were like, Hey, uh, like we, we won and we did it with this. And my dad was like, what do you mean? Like we did it with this. Like it wasn't a piece of shit, but I'm like, no big picture wise, we're competing against basically a factory team. No, it's not, you know what I mean? But it's, if you look at it, like we're, we're competing against something that's way out of our league and we beat it. Mm -hmm. And it wasn't through having the best engine or the best. It was just, we had stuff that worked and then we made it happen. Mm -hmm. Um, which I think helps where I'm at now, but yeah. so that's another off-topic thing I can go ramble yeah, down. We'll get, we'll but, get into that. Uh-huh. But um, yeah, so the 150 class out of control. Anyway, I got on a, on a rampage, but uh-huh. um, the 150 class was out of control. So then that Billy Hamill guy, the Speedway mm-hmm. Academy guy, he knew Bruce Sternstrom from right. Kawasaki. Yep. And Bruce was a big Speedway fan, but um, Bruce came in as a representative or he was the guy that he was going to go through all the bikes, make sure all the bikes were legal and nobody was getting penalized at like this race. But it was basically saying, look, this is the rules that are going to change. And I'm going to tell you guys if you're cheating and nobody's getting penalized. We're not taking trophies away from kids. Don't worry about that. But I'm going to tell you what you can and can't do for next year. Like the rules are changing. And so we were running race gas and we had a thin head gasket and but we were doing everything we could. That was the cheap stuff to keep up with these insane engines, you know? Yeah. And we weren't splitting cases. So we we go, and that was kind of my first introduction to Bruce. And uh, he would come. So, yeah, he was, he basically told my dad, hey, no more no more thin head gasket, no more race gas. We got to yeah. dial it back. Yeah. And I was like, fine, whatever. And he got it. It was cool. It was all friendly. And uh, But then fast forward to Supercross the next year. Bruce is there. We go up to the Kawasaki truck, Bruce, Bruce, he remembers us. Oh, hey, how you guys doing? And I'm like, hey, Bruce, like, 
can I get a tour of the semi? He's like, yeah, come on in. And my dad, my dad's wearing a Troy Lee Designs KTM shirt, and we're going into the Monster Energy Kawasaki truck. I'm like, dad, zip up your fucking jacket right now. We're going to the couch. So he's zipping his jacket up. Anyways, I'm like, I'm asking all the questions. I'm, well, what's this? What's that? This is what I want to do. And we're inside the truck, and Jeremy McGrath goes and touches my dad on the shoulder. My dad damn near passed out. Like, oh, my God, Jeremy McGrath. And so I'm in heaven, but my dad's also in heaven, too. This is the first time I truck he's ever toured. So just to see it and be there, it was so cool. And it solidified my decision that I thought I, you know. What year um, was this? Oh, 13, 14, I think. Okay. So it would have been like, what, RV and Weimar at Cali at that time? Maybe I think so because RV was my my dude. That was okay. my guy. Okay. And uh, yeah, I can't remember. Yeah, I think it was. I think, I think that's what. I think yeah yeah I think it was RV Weimer. Uh huh. So, um. Anyways, yeah. total super fan and met me, Bruce and so every year after that it was we got to stop by the Cowie truck. So yeah. always say hi to Bruce and. Like I got a business card from him and I was, I shot him an email every now and then. Like I was 16 saying like, Hey, does Kawasaki do internships? Like, could I, could I do something? Maybe spend a day somewhere at the track or get a tour of the shop, whatever it was. And nothing ever worked out. Yeah. And then. Was he like responsive at all? hundred percent. Yeah. No, we were, it was super cool. But I mean, for a race team and for Kawasaki insurance wise to do anything like that, it's just, it. I understand why he wouldn't let a 16 year old kid mm-hmm. ha- come hang out, you know, or yeah. even work, whatever. Yeah. I get it. Now that I'm on this side, I, I get it. Yeah. Um, I probably would have done the same thing, but my junior year of high school, I think it was my senior year, senior year of high school, same thing. Every year we'd go in, I'd, I'd meet a handful of other people or I would go on the, the mountain bike rides at the Laguna store for Troy Lee designs. Okay. Yeah. I met Troy do on on a group ride and i'm just a little kid that races speedway and i'm like troy troy hey so i race speedway do you think i get a sponsorship and then he gave me a discount code or whatever the email whatever it was and so um that was just my little things to get into the industry and just just get my face out there and troy doesn't remember that but he barely remembers my name now but (laughs) so many times every time no idea no and i get it that guy meets everybody so Um, no, I, again, I get it. But, uh, so yeah, senior year of high school, again, I'm like, okay, but at this point I had, I, I had hundred percent committed to this is what I'm going to do. And I got family members saying, oh, are you sure? Like you could do so much more you can, but I knew if I didn't do it now, there was never going to be a time where I could do it, mm-hmm. um, with, I want to, I want to have a family one day. I want to, I want to have, I want to have yeah. all the normal, normal people things. And yeah. I couldn't do that. With, I, I couldn't have that if I didn't do it right now, you know? Yeah. So, and then I knew if I'm laying on my deathbed and I don't do this, I would have always been thinking, oh man, mm-hmm. what if I did? What if I did? You know? So I just knew I had to do it. And, uh, so I've got all these people saying, no, oh, you shouldn't do that, whatever. And, um, so senior year of high school comes along and I have the school project. I'm in the engineering class and I'm supposed to interview an engineer. And it was more of just like a find a topic, which find a, a path that you want to go down mm-hmm. engineering wise and 
and interview an engineer, just the normal school stuff, like research yeah. your, your path. Yeah. But I was like, how can I make this about dirt bikes? Because I know it doesn't qualify. Like, I, it's hard to know, you know, connect it. So I send Bruce an email. Hey, Bruce, this is what I got going on. Um, can, is there anybody associated to the race team that I can talk to? Because yeah. this is, if, if not, whatever, I'll go find something else. He sends me Dan Fahey's info. Okay. who's team manager of factory Cali. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow. Okay. He's got an engineering degree. And Bruce was like, here, ask him. I'm like, okay. So anyways, shoot Dan an email. He's again, super responsive, super friendly. And I'm just this little kid in high school that's doing a school project, you know? Yeah. And so, Hey Dan, how's it going? I'm Jake. I race speedway and this is, I'm doing a school project. And then, Basically, I do the, the four or five questions I'm supposed to ask in the first five, ten minutes. And then I go and I talk about what I want to do. This is what I want to do. This is what I'm doing now. I'm going to go to school, all this stuff. And he was basically just listening to me the whole time. and was talking, oh, that's really cool. <laughs> and then keep in touch with him. I had to do two or three other things with that project where it was a video call. But mm -hmm. um, I did every time. It was I'll do my four questions and then I'll talk to him for another half hour, just rambling, you know? Yeah. And, but he was always super friendly and super cool to me. And then fast forward to a one the next year after that. So this would have been 2020 right okay. before COVID hit a okay. one before COVID hit. Okay. And we go to the truck, say hi to Bruce, Dan's there, say hi to Dan. And I had already gotten like two or three tours of the Cali truck. So I was like, I, I was over getting tours. But um, Dan had asked me like, hey, have you ever gotten a tour of the shop? I'm like, no, I've only driven by. He's like, well, come on down. So shot him an email anyways, um, set up a date. I got a tour of the whole Kawasaki, the new building in, in well, Irvine. This place is rad. It's badass. Yeah. So we're, it's funny. So we're meet him in the lobby. And he comes out, oh, yeah, we just finished our Monday morning meetings. Eli was talking about this stuff that happened on the weekend. And we're like, oh, my God, he's talking to Eli yeah. Tomac, you know. Yeah. And we're just in the lobby. And he's showing us through. They have, like, the dealer training area. And then they've got their own museum in the lobby and stuff. And they have a cafeteria there, which is crazy. So he's like, yeah, over there is legal. And then we got HR. And then accounting's over there. And um, so come down here. We got – this is where, like, the race team offices are. So the team coordinators and the IT people are here. And and then down those doors is the race shop. And, and he kind of pauses. And I'm like, oh, man. I it says like credential access only, yeah. like all this stuff, no pictures, everything. Like, damn it. Like, well, at least I got to see the door, you know, I didn't yeah. get to go in. He's like, all right, come on in. Door opens up and I'm like, oh my God, my dreams come true. Like I was totally thinking I was not going to get to see any of it. Yeah. Walk in, see the office. It's huge. And the parts department for it's two motorcycles and this part department is bigger than two of my houses. And I'm like, oh my God, you know? So I'm, I'm kid in a candy shop. I see yeah. the race, the the whole, like the bays, mechanics bays, engine department, suspension department, machine shop. I'm, I'm just in love. And then we go out to the outside and the semi-truck's not there because it's mid-season, but yeah. we've got like the practice trailers are there. And then he walks us over to the dino rooms. We see all the dino rooms. It's just, it, it was so cool. And the fact that he took the time out of his day to go and give me and my dad a tour was awesome. Mm -hmm. Um and that it was just like, okay, I'm, I'm, I knew I was committed, but it was, this was like, this is really, really cool. And I had found my foot in the door into the industry with, with Dan and yeah. created that relationship. Um, so yeah. And then 
it was then COVID hit and yeah. So, so were you like at this point your relationship with Kawe, are you thinking like fuck maybe this is like I'm gonna end up at factory Kawasaki? I, you know, as a as a senior in high school, I had really high hopes. Yeah. I didn't I thought I was the shit, you know, going into school. I'm going to be honest. I thought I was like, oh, what other kids got the same experience as me, all this stuff. And I'm like, oh, oh, I'm going to go factory Cali straight out of school. No, no, definitely not. (laughs) I I honestly thought that I was like, yeah, that's a possibility. Why wouldn't they hire me? But they're so I was so naive, you know, and yeah, so go to school it's COVID time. And so there were only seven kids in my class because every year he capped it at 10. And then now I think he does more, but that year, so many kids were that backed out due to COVID or didn't like made other plans, whatever it was. So our class size was really small that year for at Scott school. And, uh, it almost worked out for the better because it was more Mm one-on-one. Um, but I pretty much just put my head down and learned the bike and, um, got in, got out. So yeah. this, the course is eight months long and you work on every brand and you get to talk about each thing. But really all that I went to the school for was to learn a motocross bike. Cause yeah. up to this point, the closest thing I had to a motocross bike was a WR 250, a, a 2002 mm-hmm. WR 250. Yeah. That was a big difference to a 2020, you know, factory race yeah. bike. Fuel and jack, whatever. So, a speedway bike is not the same, and an old desert bike is not the same either. So, I didn't have the the confidence. I knew I could figure it out, but I didn't have the confidence to show up and say, "Okay, I know what I'm doing." You know, I didn't know how a wiring harness worked. I didn't like. I I knew how it worked. I didn't know. Okay, what's this plug for? What does this Mm. plug do? Just the the little details. So that was my purpose of going to the school. Was I want to learn how a motocross bike works. The racing side, I know. Like, the other stuff I knew or was confident I would be able to figure out very quickly. Yeah. Um, But I didn't have the access to a motocross bike. So, go to the school. First bike was a Honda. And then I think I did Cowie, KTM, Yamaha. Like, I I did the brands. And so, after six months, you really, you're kind of teaching yourself because you're tearing down and reassembling these bikes all day. So you do the engines, you do the chassis, and then you have a final build where you do everything together and you're just doing practice builds. I'm splitting cases, pulling everything out, tearing apart the transmission, rebuilding transmission, putting the whole thing back together. Same thing with the chassis, you know, Mm -hmm. and I'm sitting here studying everything, but at a certain point, a lot of these bikes are the same. You have yeah. your injector, you have your air temp sensor, you got your condenser, your engine goes in here. Like a triple clamp's a triple clamp no matter what bike you're on. It's You may have one or two different things or um, the, <laughs> the swing arm and the suspension all goes in the same way on every brand. So there's nothing unique. Yeah. But the way that the harness routes, that's the unique stuff. But even then, I was learning it. I, you do it twice and you know how it goes, you know? Mm. So I was like, okay, I'm kind of over this a little bit, like whatever brand I'm going to work on, I'm going to have to do all this again. Cause it's going to be a race bike. Yeah. And so six months goes by, it's like April Easter break. I come back and I'm like, all right, I'm, I'm over this. Like I've taught myself pretty much everything. Suzuki was the only bike I hadn't worked on yet, but it's the easiest bike. There's no electric start, all that stuff. Yeah. And I was like, I don't need to learn a Suzuki. I'll probably never work on a Suzuki. <laughs> and the first race team I work on is, of course, it's Suzuki, Suzuki yeah. which is ironic, but I, 
figured it out. It all worked out. Yeah. But, um, yeah. So go to school, come back. I worked for, uh, EMT racing for two months, um, changing tires. I was Tyson Johnson's practice mechanic, which I, I learned a lot of the day-to-day stuff there. Um, being a practice guy and okay, what's the the schedule, the stuff that I didn't know and the stuff that you don't teach in school, yeah. how to wash a bike, which washing a bike, but there's a lot of little things to it, like mm-hmm. where not to shoot water in, what yeah. to focus on the process, the most, e- the efficient way to do stuff, just little stuff like that, that you don't get in school. Yeah. Um, in school, you basically just learn how to tear the things apart. So, uh, the day to day stuff was what I learned there and how to change tire without breaking my back. That was, I, I was, I changed a lot of tires, um, in my two month stretch there. I was at mammoth changing tires. Like it was, mm-hmm. and I was the youngest kid there. So I, I got handed all the tires, you know, yeah, and it, it was only until they got too much that other people would step in. But, um, so then, yeah, I did that for two months and it's mid season and I'm like, all right, like I'm, I want to be on a race team and I'm doing little stuff. Worked at a street bike shop. I worked for specialized, which was actually like, that was a really good job. I wanted to stay working at specialized. And I was, I was working for my buddy racing speedway, Wilbur Hancock. And I was like, okay, he, I could go to Sweden with him. Like he's on a good path, you know? And, um, there were a lot of things up in the air in that. What was that? 2021, 2021. So, I was like, ah, oh, summer of 2021, I was like, what am I going to do? You know, it's, I don't have as much experience to get hired right on a race team. Like most race teams, they want somebody that's done it for a year at least. Mm-hmm. And I didn't have that. So, um, all I had was people I knew and the passion to keep digging. So yeah. anyways, working at Specialized, I go to Paula 2, the last race of the year, and I'm going around to everybody I know. And i didn't know that many people in the pits, but, um, Maddie G Shimoda's mechanic, he went to the same school as me. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so one day I drove out to PC and I was going to drop a resume off and just, and I was just going to drop one off. So I, it's, I think it was a holiday. It was a day where not everybody was there. Yeah. And, uh, so they had the side door, the shipping and receiving door open. I walk in like, Hey, I'm dropping off a resume for the race team. And I brought like three or four with me just in case, whatever. Yeah. And it's just one of the dude, the shipping dudes that are like, okay, I'll throw it in the stack of all the other ones, you know? Yeah. And, uh, I'm like, all right, cool. Whatever. The guy that I originally went to talk to wasn't there. And, um, I knew they weren't going to just let me go into the race shop to talk with anybody. So I was like, all right, whatever. I dropped my resume off. I've done what I can do. I turn around and Mitch Payton is coming in the door coming out of his van. And I'm like, Oh, this is my time. Hey Mitch, how you doing? Just drop my resume off, hand him a resume. And I just, I just start talking and talking his ear off. And, uh, he's like, okay, yeah, we might be needing somebody. And all right. Thank you, Mitch. Talk to you later. So he goes on his way. I go on mine and I'm like, Oh, my heart's thousand beats a minute so i'm like oh my god i just gave my resume to mitch payton you know hopefully you know hopefully it works out were you even like you see him are you like nervous at all or you know, yeah i was i was so nervous i was so sweaty everything you're like yeah. this is my first time ever meeting the guy let alone talking to the guy yeah and i like this is what i want to be my boss every time i drive past pro circuit i'd be like i want to work there one day yeah and that's how passionate i was and determined i was to get to where i was I basically, whatever the word is manifest, like yeah. a lot of people talk about that now. Like I, I talked to myself, like, this is what I'm going to do mm-hmm. and told myself that. So now that the opportunity's right in front of me, it was kind of like, Oh shit, what, uh, what do we yeah, do what now? Do we do? Yeah. So 
anyways, dropped my resume off. I'm like, okay, we'll see. You know, it's mid-season. Going back to Paula 2. So I had dropped my resume off maybe a couple of weeks before the last Paula round. And so I go to Paula and I, hey, Matt, has Matty G, whatever. Matt, dropped my resume off to Mitch. I was just wondering, can I talk to somebody? And uh, he's like, oh, yeah. He, he's working on his bike. I know I'm not bugging him. And there's all the kids asking for plastics. And I'm just standing off to the side. And so... Kyle Defoe comes out, mm-hmm. McAdoo's mechanic at yep. the time. He comes out and he's got my resume and he's like, Hey, so who are you? What, 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 what's going on? I'm like, Oh, I want to be a mechanic. Um, I dropped my resume off to Mitch. I just, I really want to be a mechanic and work. I want to work for PC. And cause it was really the only place I knew, you know, yeah. the only place I had an in and, uh, Kyle's talking to me. Okay. You know, we'll keep in touch. And then he's like, how do you know Dan? Dan Fahey. I'm like, oh, well, you know, I told, I gave him the whole story and yeah. how we're buddies or whatever and kind of inflated the relationship, with, you know, whatever. <laughs> um, but he's like, okay, yeah. And then I'm like, okay, maybe it'll work out. Maybe it won't. Two weeks later, I'm working at the street bike shop. Kind of not, I'm not having a good time. I'm changing tires on, on stunt bikes, you know, like okay. this is whatever. Yeah. And Get a phone call, 951 number. Oh, that's weird. Answer it. Uh, hey, is this Jake? Yep. Hey, this is Mitch Payton. How you doing? I'm like, wow. Oh, okay. Uh, hello. <laughs> what can I do for you? Yeah. He's like, hey, uh, you want to come in for an interview? Mm, let me think about it. Yeah. You know, of course. So come in like the next week and Mitch does his thing. And I, I've, at this time I hadn't heard stories, but like, with my mom, we've practiced job interviews. So I, I, I had an idea of what it was going to be like going in. So he's like, okay, just, just wait right here. Guy goes stand in the corner and outside his office. And I stand there, you know, he, I hear all the stories now, like he tests people, you know? Yeah. So it's 25 minutes, 30 minutes. And he's going around, he gets in the elevator, goes upstairs and all that stuff. And I'm like, all right, whatever. I'm like, I'm not leaving. What am I going to do? Walk out? Like, this is what I want to do. Yeah. Finally, he comes down. All right, comes in, pulls out a resume, somebody else's resume. And I'm like, Mitch, I got one right here. Oh, wrong, wrong Jake. Sorry. Hey, whatever. And he starts talking about Speedway and and uh, and he's like, ah, so moto, you don't have a lot of moto experience. I'm like, yeah, but I have a lot of racing experience. You know, I've raced pro, I've been a pro mechanic, like been pro Speedway mechanic. Like I've mm-hmm. won a title as a mechanic like mm-hmm. for another kid, you know, like, it's not new to me. It's yeah. just motocross. Yeah. Okay. All right. And, and then he brings in Kyle. Kyle's like, basically we're just doing a job interview and he's okay. We'll be in touch. No, Kyle, he doesn't go through with me. Then Kyle, this is a couple weeks after. And I knew like, okay, I didn't get the job. They hired to fill other spots, whatever. So then Kyle shoots me a text saying, Hey, Larry Brooks is looking for a guy for bar X Suzuki. Mm-hmm. I gave him your number. He's going to call you in a couple minutes. They get a call from Larry and I'm like, at this point, I just wanted a foot in the door anywhere. Yeah. So I was like, okay, it's Suzuki, kind of a like, you know, satellite team, whatever. But at that point, it was either I take this job or I go work at Specialized for another year and maybe go to Sweden with my buddy. And mm-hmm. it, was, it was like a, a maybe or like, do I want to do this? And he's like, just come on down, come look at the shop. We'll talk for a little bit and see if you want to do it. 
come on down and it smells like I get pro six, just blasted with race gas. And yeah. now I don't get that because it, my nose is blind to race gas and stuff, but it was just this, like, this is really fucking cool. Yeah. I got, there's bikes lined up and like, Oh yeah, that would be your bay right over there. And I, I it was just, this is really cool. Semi trucks outside, all this stuff. And it was, it was an early morning. It was a Sunday morning. Met Larry at the shop at like seven. Cause I had to go back to Costa Mesa to work at specialized, okay. but I knew like, if I wanted to do it, I'm going to do it. Yeah. I'm going to, I'm going to make it happen. And so took the job, did it, started working for Preston Kilroy Okay. at Bar X. My first day at the Supercross. So I went to a state fair on a Friday, moved my toolbox in, kind of got all that dialed. And then Monday was first day of Supercross at the Suzuki test track in Corona. Okay. And so go to the track Monday meet Preston, get my shirts, whatever, got bikes there, whatever. And Preston was just learning supercross. He just came up from amateurs first pro year mm -hmm. and does his warm up, comes in and I'm like, I'm doing my bolt checks. Whatever. I, like I'd never done this before. Like, <laughs> what do I do? You know, which I had through, through EMT, but this was like a, okay. You're first in, time with Suzuki. In I'm in it. You know, this yeah. is, this is my responsibility. Yeah. And, um, so yeah, it goes out for his second session and there's this one rhythm along the road and it ended with a like on off right hand bull turn mm -hmm. and he cases the off and goes shoulder first into the bull turn and the bike goes sending over, almost hits the fence. And my first day he breaks his, uh, whatever this, his arm breaks his arm right at the shoulder. Okay. It was his bad shoulder. So my guy's out. Like I'm, I got hired to be a uh, race guy and first day on the job, my guy gets hurt. Yeah. My bike bars are bent, everything. So, uh, my day was over quick, fixed the bike up, whatever. And, um, so then I'm just in the shop and I'm, so Big Mac was the engine guy. He, Big Mac was the shop, everything pretty much crew mm -hmm. chief, engine guy, everything. So he I basically, I, like I framed my bike, cleaned it all up, went through it all. And he was like, okay, well, you're going to dyno engines. You're, you're going to put dyno engines in your bike. I'm like, okay, cool. So I, all that was all I did was I engines in and out, in and out, just doing dyno, dynoing engines. And, um, but it was moments like that, that helped me in the future. It, like mm -hmm. it's the things in the moment, like, ah, oh, crap, I got to do eight engines today, but I figured out how to change an engine pretty quick and all the little shortcuts and stuff. Yeah. And it worked out because... Then, um, Derek Drake needed a mechanic and I was free and I had kind of proven myself a little bit. Mm -hmm. And, uh, so they're like, all right, you're going to go, we're going to move you to Derek cause Preston's still hurt for a while. And, uh, yeah, you're going to be Derek's guy. You're going to do East coast supercross. Cool. Perfect. Build Derek's race bike. It's badass. I, I was, it was my first race bike I ever built. So I had all the cool parts on it and yeah. go to Minneapolis. It's freezing cold. We get there, all the coolant in the bikes is frozen. They call it antifreeze, but it froze. And so we're like, oh shit. So we're sitting there with the heat gun, heating up all the radiators oh and stuff gosh. in the truck because the generator wasn't going, so the heater wasn't on. Anyway, so it was a whole clusterfuck just to get there. But go out, we race. I can't even remember what Derek got, but I did all of East Coast Supercross with Derek and then all motocross and uh, 
Yeah, no, it was it was just a super cool learning experience through Suzuki and through Larry. And Larry's a guy that you learn so much from too. Yeah, he's got a lot of knowledge. Yeah, he's been around the block a little bit. So yeah, yeah, it was definitely Suzuki was cool. How um, backtracking a little bit? Yeah, <laughs> after your interview at PC with yep. Mitch, um, like walking out of the building, did you know like um, or did it take time to realize like oh we're not getting? It? Mm, no, it was. That day, you know how Mitch does his quiet thing, like yes. where he sits in silence? Yeah. Which, that was a technique that I had practiced with my mom, was my mom was like, they're, they're, they're going to be quiet. Like most good interviewers are not going to say anything and just let you ramble. Mm-hmm. And so I knew that I, we had, I had made my mom practice this so much because I wanted to go in. <laughs> and so Mitch is just sitting there in silence, looking at my resume, giving me eye contact and just sitting there in silence. And I'm not feeding into it because I'm like, all right, this is, I know. And he wasn't very confident. Like Kyle was backing me up on, well, he's going to have to learn how we'd build our engines anyways. Like he's, mm-hmm. he's going to learn our way, which is really good. Yeah. He's young, but he's going to learn how we do it, which is what you want, you know? Yeah. And Mitch was just like, eh, you know, I, I could kind of see, I, I didn't know for sure. Like there may be a, a shot, but I had a feeling like, yeah, it's not going to work. Like all I knew they had hired, that year, they hired Tony Archer and Ryan Hughes. And Ryan Hughes was getting a tour of the shop as I'm standing in the corner waiting for Mitch. So I'm like, yeah. okay, you know, I guess I have a feeling that all the spots are taken, you know? Yeah. And uh, yeah, so I, leaving, I wasn't too confident that I was going to go there. So I was kind of like, all right, maybe it wasn't for me, whatever. All the, the intrusive thoughts going through my head, yeah. I wasn't very, very confident yeah. at the end of it. And so... Like you were saying, Kyle links you up with Larry and the mm-hmm. Bar X deal. It's like how you explained it. It sounded kind of sounded like the job was yours from the get, kind of. At Bar X. At Bar X, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing is with a with a team like that, they don't have the budget to hire the experienced mechanics. Mm-hmm. So all those guys are asking for too much money that they can't pay you know there's just not enough budget there and really they're relying on amateur mechanics that want to race pro or kids straight out of school so they needed a guy for preston and i was the last mechanic they needed to hire they just had one spot they needed to fill Mm. and the fact that preston was going pro preston preston's mechanic moved he worked for mumford uh mudo um Mm. but yeah, they, they just needed a mechanic pretty quick. And I was a kid that couldn't say no, really. Yeah. So it, it worked out. Um, they, they were going to hire me. The fact that Kyle spoke on my behalf, that Kyle wanted to hire me, that Larry was already sold. He, okay. he was just like, okay, I know this kid's good. He's already been vetted. Yeah. I don't need to do the whole interview thing if they already did that at PC. Yeah. But um, yeah, it was... It, it kind of was mine from the get-go, but it was still like, we don't know who this kid is. This kid could be a 10 or a 2, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So almost, yeah. Yeah. Um, so what, like, once you have that job and, like, you're you're in it, you're going, yeah. you're doing the whole tour. Yep. You're in the circus. Mm-hmm. Like, what? what's that like as a 19-year-old I was, yeah, 19, yeah. kid and you're a race mechanic on a, on a real deal team with a manager that has some pretty heavy statistics yeah. behind it. You know, to be great, to be honest, I hadn't known that much about Larry mm. before 
that yeah. job, might which have, is crazy. But might, might have been maybe like a blessing in disguise. It was. It, it honestly was. It was because I had such. I, I think I was so nervous going into Mitch's because I knew it was Mitch Payton, mm-hmm. but it <laughs> it was just Larry Brooks in my head, you know, mm-hmm. yeah, not yeah. knowing the background and all the things that he was a part of. Yep. When I went in there, it was it was easier for me to just walk in and say, this is who I am. I didn't have to overthink it and sit in silence with Mitch and, you know, do that whole thing. But, um, yeah, it was, it was a blessing in disguise, but ultimately I think it led to where I am now. Yeah. You know, what, what were some of like the trials and tribulations for you? Like once you're in it and you're like race day, like because like you said, you're not learning this stuff in school. So for like, sure. you're learning on the fly on for race sure. day. It helped that I did East Coast because I got to watch the West Coast races. I was the cart guy for oh. the West Coast races. So okay. I had uh, Otter, Tyler Mickelson. He mm-hmm. had been around a while. Mudo had been around a while. Um, so it was really just the three of us and then Big Mac and Larry. Like they, all those guys knew the day-to-day schedule. Mm-hmm. So for me, I just kind of sat back and watched for the first couple rounds. Yeah. Um, so, uh, yeah, it, it was just, what are they doing in between races? How are they, what needs to get done? And so when they're checking clutches, when tires need to go at the time it was Pirelli. Now it's done that, but where's, what do I do with the Pirelli truck? Like, do I just drop a tire off? Okay. You got to write the card. Okay. What tire do you want? And just all the little, where's tech inspection. We didn't have tech inspection was a little weird that year. We still just signed our name, but mm, no, yeah. there's no sound check, but what, what's the process, you know, that was the biggest and most shocking thing to learn, Yeah, but it's just a part of it. Track walk. Like my first track walk, I was peeing my pants the whole time. This is so cool. And uh, there's all these guys that I'm walking next to and don't wear your nice shoes on track walk. I yep. learned that, you know, yep. it's on a speedway track. You can get away with it cause it's pretty, it's a DG. It doesn't stick to your shoes, but yeah. you can't do that at a supercross track. Nope. But, um, just, just the, all the little things that were involved with it. I was fortunate to have experienced guys around me. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to watch it. So going into Minneapolis, I had already been to three, four races behind the scenes. It wasn't my first race. It wasn't like I'm going to A1 and getting yeah. literally thrown right into it. Yeah, yeah. So I had knew I had known like, hey, you got to go to tech, get your practice sticker, get your transponder. And then, okay, what time's practice? Here's what you do in between. Check your spokes, check your clutch. Like with Derek, I had to check the clutch. Um, but yeah, it was all the little things that you check and go through and and all that stuff. And um, it, it ultimately just kept going like that. I remember Paula, the first Paula, I was like, okay, this is my first motocross race. I have no idea. Like I've always heard in between motos is so hectic and Mm -hmm. I just needed somebody to show me the pace to work at. Cause I I couldn't watch. I was actually racing the first Paula. I wasn't the helper that race. So Mm -hmm. I needed somebody to keep me on pace for the day. Yeah. And so that was, that was Otter for me. Um, which it was, it was funny because Otter took it so serious and, nowadays it's like okay i don't need to be i i I would have rather had him do what he did and be too serious than not serious enough and then me miss things or not be able to overlook things but it was funny because he was so into it it was awesome um but yeah it was just the little stuff and and working my way through the year just the pace i think is the biggest thing it is what like i mean obviously i've i see it especially being with you guys all summer Mm -hmm. long but like 
what like how would you explain that pace from super like for supercross mm-hmm. on race day versus outdoor on race day like what that pace is like for a mechanic well for me when i had like a, a fire drill growing up in speedway like there there was always i have a couple different examples of a fire drill but i found in my head i excelled at a fire drill because that pace is I, like I'm really comfortable at that pace. That's just the way my brain works, the speed of my brain. And so I, I just, I have a pace and that was just what I did. Um, so translating that to supercross, when I basically work at my pace and then when I have off time, then I can relax. But I, I have a pretty even pace through race day. Mm-hmm. Um, it's essentially an accelerated it's an, it's just an accelerated pace. It's hard to describe, but motocross it is tighter because the days are shorter. It's not as spread out. Yeah. Supercross you have a lot more time because okay, practice is at ten, and then you got your second practice at eleven, and then or whatever it is, yeah. to, what you you got all that stuff. So um, there's a lot of time in between, and then the bikes don't get that dirty. You don't have to check them as hard. Like you still do your normal checks, but you're they're not getting beat up the same. Yeah. Where motocross, you've got, you're at the track at six, you're on track at 10, whatever it is. And then, okay, wash the bike. Don't wash the bike. Hey, check the clutch. Oh, your tires fuck. So go to Dunlop or swap it out, you know, all that stuff. And then in between motos, it's, it's easier now that we have the halftime, but it, mm. it's just before it was like, you, you did, you washed your bike, checked your clutch, topped off with gas. And if you had to do anything else, it was, it was tight. Yeah. Um, there wasn't really much, but, uh, yeah, now it's a little easier. Um, but the, the pace, it is, it is advanced, I guess you could call it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes sense. Mm-hmm. What a, so when you guys are running tires to, yeah. to Dunlop, what do you like? You guys are Dunlop, right? Uh-huh. Okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Far, yeah. Make, you're sure it's Dunlop. I have enough B-roll yeah. fucking tires uh-huh. all summer. Uh, what like what is that process? Because I just always assume like you just run it over there, drop it off, they do their thing. Yeah. Um is that like that's pretty much that's pretty much it. Like with, with Pirelli, they had you write a tag, the rider, the tire, um pretty much the rider and the tire was all they needed. Mm-hmm. Uh Dunlop, they're they don't you don't do the tag system, you basically just drop the tire off and say, Yeah, same thing. And okay. and they just change it and then it gets put on the rack and you go and grab it. Yeah. Um they're they're a bit better. Or if you wanted to change it to a paddle, you'd just say, Hey, can you put a paddle on this? And then whatever it is. So, um, it sounds like I made it sound like it's pretty intense, but in reality, it's, it's not that difficult. It's just the fact of having never done it. And then like, okay, here, take our tires. I don't know. (laughs) What do I do with these? You know? Um, I think that was just a a learning experience, but yeah. What a like race day, like being in the mechanics area, Mm -hmm. like, I imagine there's some sort of etiquette with all you guys because it's yep. there's a lot of people. There is, there, there so, is. Like, what's that etiquette like? So, it was funny. My first race, <laughs> Mudo had told me he's like, "Look, don't be an asshole on the line. You stand on the right side of your bike because you get one dude that stands on the left, and then it throws off everybody else down the gate. Like, you got to stand on the right side of your guy." And that's how everybody does it. Cause you can't, you can't have two guys next to one guy. You know, you got to stand on the right side of your bike and don't block the guys 
pit board. Like there's, there's so many things that Muto was like, don't be a dick, you know? And that's something that goes back to me and my dad racing was don't be a dick. And that it translates into now, but like, don't block the guy's pit board. If you guys getting lapped, you don't put your pit board out in front of the dude that's lapping you, you know? Yeah. Um, and yeah, like if your guy's getting lapped, you, does your guy really need a pit board? You know, you can, you don't have to put your pit board out. Yeah. Uh, your guy will figure it out. But, um, little things like that. And then it, it even happens now that I'm the guy lapping people. Mm-hmm. I get mad at the younger privateer mechanics that don't see that or don't, didn't pay attention to it that one time or whatever. And mm-hmm. like, I've had my moments, but, um, yeah, there, there is an etiquette. Basically it's, you can kind of work your way up, but Mm -hmm. you treat everybody the same. I I don't know. It's pretty, pretty chill. I think between mechanics, most riders kind of have their own rivalry. Most mechanics are just, Hey, yeah. How you doing? It's cool. Yeah. I was wondering that. Mm -hmm. Like, it seems like mechanics as a whole, they're just all like, yeah, kind of, we're, 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 we are with our rider, but we're almost separate in a way. Like, Mm -hmm. If on race day, you're on your own pretty much because you're, like, you're not going to have another team helping it. It's racing, you know, yeah. but yeah. at the practice track, oh man, like I broke my rent, whatever, whatever you broke or if something's wrong, Hey, do you guys have one of these? Yeah, sure. Here you go. Like yeah. we're all here to help each other. It's all one big family. Like you can't, you can't have those rivalries in an industry this small, you yeah. know, um, riders kind of have their own vendettas growing up, but mechanics, it's all, it's cool. It's yeah. chill. Yeah. Yeah. How, um, I don't know, this might be kind of a silly question, but I've always wondered, like, let's no, say, sorry. let's say you, like, PB and I, Shimoda are yeah. fucking just going at it yeah. head to toe, and you and Maddie G are next mm-hmm. to each other in the mechanics area, mm-hmm. and they come by to get their pit board. Like, yeah. how do the two of you, oh, like, like so, so yep. you're not just fuck, fucking Maddie yeah. G and vice versa? So, this is another thing Budo explained to me. It's, it's high and low. So you say either I go high or you go, whatever it is, you go high or whatever. You basically, you find the mechanic for the rider that you're battling with and you say, I I go high, you go low, whatever it is. Mm -hmm. If, if I'm taller, then I'll say, I'll go high, you know, Mm -hmm. or whatever it is. It's just like a, yeah, I've got a bigger pit board. So I'll get whatever you want to do, however you want to do it. But it's, it's high and low, a high and low system. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I've, I've noticed I've that's what I've always uh-huh. seemed I was like, I, like do you guys talk about this or yeah. is it just like this unspoken thing yeah no it, they're they're if they're cl- if the riders are close enough then yeah it's high low but if yeah. they're spaced out generally the board goes down by the time the next guy is able to see it so yeah. it, it's only when they're right next to each other that you really have to do that yeah um or most mechanics are on different ends of the mechanics area yeah. too some guys are yeah. at the front some guys are at the back I'm generally in the middle. It, it depends on the track. Some tracks are better, of course. So, but um, yeah, if you're close to the mechanic and the riders are close together, you go, yeah, hi. Okay. Yeah, I was uh-huh. curious about that. Yeah. Um, let me pause real quick. I got to piss. No worries. We can get back to it. Um, cool. So this was, you're at Bar X 2022? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So how, what was kind of the, transition from there to finding yourself with the Red Bull TLD team. So in Supercross, I had again first season in the industry really mm-hmm. and and I'm on in the mechanics area. That's the best experience really. You can't get your name out there like being in the mechanics area. So um 
East Coast Supercross, kind of hanging out. And uh, I had gone – so with KTM, with Gas Gas and all – with the Austrian brands, there's only three teams or three groups in California. So Cowie, Suzuki, mm-hmm. and the Austrian group. So mm-hmm. in California, you, you see the same people all the time. Yeah. And so going to the track with uh, Mudo one day, we were at Elsinore Supercross. And this was when uh, Pedro, who's now the Owls guy, yeah. um, he was the floater mechanic or the test mechanic, whatever you want to call it, at KTM. And he was at the track with Marv uh, at the time that day. And Mudo and Pedro go way back. They're, they're good buddies. So I was just kind of hanging along. And they're talking. We're pitted next to each other. And we're just kind of shooting the shit. And then, oh, hey, we're going to go to lunch. You want to come with us? Yeah, sure, whatever. And in my head, it was, uh, okay, this is my – this is a foot-in-the-door opportunity. And this yeah. – going back to me as a kid in high school, these were the opportunities I was looking for. So yeah. I still had that eye for it to – and, I mean, even to this day, you're always looking for those kinds of things. But – this was a, this is an opportunity for me, a foot in the door chance. So like, absolutely. I want to go to lunch. Even if, even if it doesn't lead to something in that conversation, it's, it's a relationship I'm building, you know? Absolutely. So we go to rock and Jenny's off Winchester <laughs> and get a sandwich, whatever. And we're talking and just shooting the shit. There was no, there was zero conversation of, Hey, so you guys looking for a mechanic? You know what I mean? Like zero conversation that we were just hanging out, shooting the shit. Yeah. And, uh, so anyways, this was, this was early in the season. And uh, so, yeah, later on, whatever, um, I had just kind of kept that in the back of my head. Like, oh, hey, Pedro, what's going on? Yeah. just That was just a relationship okay. I'd made. Mm-hmm. And then one day out of the blue, uh, Pedro follows me back on Instagram. I'm like, huh. And then you get a message from him. And then he's like, hey, uh, you got a time for a phone call? Yeah course this is something like that doesn't just happen you know you you don't just randomly hey you want to have a chat it's there's something behind it and so he tells me hey tk is looking for a helper mechanic um first of all are you interested but second of all can i give him your number i'm like absolutely you can and even if it's a shit job i still want to hear him out you know Mm -hmm. so tk calls me and uh he starts talking about what he's looking for. We need a helper guy. And um, he's like, how about this? You're going to Salt Lake, right? Yeah, okay. Come by on press day at Salt Lake and we'll talk. So press day at Salt Lake comes around. Last Supercross race of the year. And that press day, Mumford breaks his toe. So in in the press day. So we, I think we had early morning press that day too. So yeah, breaks his toe, doing he was going through the roller, whatever it was. So vibes are pretty low because mm-hmm. it's last race of the year and Mumford just ruined his outdoor season. And there it goes and does his thing. I come back, finish working on the bike and I go down to the TLD truck in my bar X polo. And I'm like, ah, uh, kind of, and Jerry's giving me weird. I didn't know Jerry at the time, but yeah. Jerry's like, what the fuck is this kid doing over yeah. here? You know? Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And so I'm like, all right. And then, I'm like, hey, is TK here yet? Oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. And and Justin, he's like, Barsha, he's like, hey, you're here to see TK? Here, come on, I'll show you. Walks me in the truck, walks me right up to the lounge. Hey, TK, this kid's here to see you. Oh, yeah, bring him in. Like, I just got introduced to TK by Justin Barsha. This yeah. is totally unreal. And uh, 
like Justin had no idea. I, I asked Justin about this when after I got hired, but I said, Hey, do you remember that? He's like, Oh yeah, it's just who I am. Like I, yeah. I just did it, you know? Yeah. And, uh, so anyways, sit down with him, talk about it. And, um, at the time, Josh was the crew chief. So mm-hmm. it's me, TK and Josh, and we're talking about it and kind of talking about how they wanted to hire me for motocross. And so that was, okay. this is Salt Lake. The last round of Supercross, they needed a guy by the first round of motocross. For who they need? For It was a helper, helper okay. guy. They wanted a helper guy through motocross. And I was like, look, yes, like I, I would love to jump on the opportunity, but the timing isn't right. Like I, I'm, I don't want to burn the bridge with Larry and the bar X guys. Like I, I can't do that mid season. Yeah. And in the back of my head, I was like, Oh, well, Mumford's hurt. That means Mudo could work for Derek. And I'm like, ah, oh, maybe it'll work out. But I'm like, no, I can't. I would be totally screwing them over. Because like I was talking about earlier, a low-budget team like that can't afford stuff like that, you know? Yeah. So I would be screwing over Larry. I'd be screwing over Derek, the team, everything. Like, I, I, it didn't feel right me. As good as the opportunity was, it didn't feel right with the circumstances. Mm-hmm. And so I'd even talked with Larry. And I think this kind of shows respect between me and Larry too is it was in the airport on the way back from Salt Lake. I'm like, look, Larry, I got an offer and I don't want to take it. if It's going to screw you over. And he looked at me, he goes, yeah, that would screw me over. And I said, okay, I'm not going to take it. And that was, that was my deciding factor. If Larry said, Hey, like we can figure it out, do what you got to do. And I, Larry and I were close enough. And even to this day, we still are, but I knew if it was good, Larry would tell me it would go, it was good. Mm-hmm. If it would hurt him, then he would tell me it would hurt him. So I turned down the job, um, finished out motocross with Derek, learned a lot more. And end of the year, I get another call from TK. Hey, how you doing? What's, what's going on? I'm like, all right, now I'm interested because it's end of the season. Like this yeah. is the more respectful time. <clears throat> and, um, was it, sorry to interrupt, but was it like good. that summer, was that in the back of your mind at all? Like, 100%. Oh, oh fuck. Like there's a factory team that like has interests mm-hmm. and like, were you thinking once we get through outdoors, like I need to, to open that door again? It was, yeah, I I knew I was going to be making phone calls at Mm -hmm. the end of the year. Um, I also knew I wasn't going to work for the same amount of money Mm. at the end of that year too. Cause I, coming into that year, there was no basis on who I was. Like there, I could, I had nothing to back up who I said I was or who I could be. So I just said yes to the opportunity. I didn't even worry about payment. It was Larry told me how much I was going to get paid. I said, okay, like there was, I, there's nothing I could do or even wanted to do about that. I wanted to prove who I was before I, I asked for more. So, um, then it was like, okay, I'm either again with that loyalty thing. I was like, I want to get more money or if nothing comes up, I at least want to get more money. Or if something better, big picture wise comes up, then I'll, I'll look into that. But Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. So end of the year comes around, get a call from TK. Hey, still interested? What are you thinking? And he was like, look, we're going to need a helper guy, but also there may be a mechanic spot opening up too. And I'm like, well, yes. And yes. Like I'm no matter what it is, I'm, I'm interested. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, okay, uh, come on by for an interview. So going to the shop. So before this is at the races. Now we, I mean, the old shop and the bar X shop were right next to each other. So walk on over and, uh, TK and it's Ollie is crew chief now, mm-hmm. uh, or going to be like, it, it was in that yeah. transition period. He's finishing the year with Justin and going into crew chief. So 
Ollie's there and we're talking and I'd already done the interview. So it was pretty much just talking about this is what's available. Are you interested? And do you want to do it? And it was like a, yeah, when, when can I start? Mm -hmm. And, uh, so talked about details and all that, got a contract and it was, it was pretty funny because he sent me the contract. I, I was thinking like, okay, TK would leave work at five ish. So like he's probably still at the shop. He sent me, he sent me the contract at four 30 okay. that, that night. Okay. And I think I responded at like four 45, like, okay, do you want me to come over and sign it? Like it, it was the same day. I just skimmed over it really quick. And I'm like, I can be there today and sign it. I could walk over right now. Yeah. But he was already gone. He's like, no, 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 no. <laughs> Dial it back. Yeah. Chill out. Yeah. Look it over. And then we'll, we'll figure out when you can sign it. I'm like, yeah. Okay. It was kind of nerve wracking for me because I just wanted to get it done. Mm -hmm. But for him, I mean, I get it. He's on his way home and I'm just, where can I sign? What can I sign? Yeah. But uh, then I signed it at the last Paul around last year okay. in the truck. And uh, yeah. And then parted ways with the team. That was, it was all, I mean, as good as it could have been, I think. Um, yeah. No hard feelings. And then um, started with, with TLD as Pierce's mechanic. And at what point did you find out you were going to be PB's like an actual, actual it, race mechanic? It was when I went into interview, they had told me, um, okay. And it, it was like, Hey, this isn't, nothing's confirmed yet, but this is what you're probably going to, this is what's probably going to happen. Uh, yeah, what, yeah. What's like mentally, where are you at when you hear, uh, hear that? It was, it was a, okay. Like I knew I could handle it. It wasn't like mm -hmm. a, uh Oh, what do I do? You know, yeah, it was, yeah. it's not like I was going to go work for Justin. Like it, mm -hmm. that would have been. Going straight from Derek Drake's mechanic to Justin Barsh's mechanic is that's, you, that's, you can't do that. There yeah. no no team would do that. Yeah. Um, but as going from Derek Drake to Pierce Brown, it was like okay, that's that's a good step, you know, and mm -hmm. and a good building block, whatever. And um, no, it, it was it wasn't like I couldn't handle it. I knew I I was very capable. Um, but it was, it was a good, like, all right, I'm making steps into where I want to be, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, definitely a good transition. Did, did it feel like having that opportunity, signing that contract and finding out you're with PB's podium guy, like mm -hmm. one of the, the guys, yep. like, is it, was there like an aspect for you where you're like, I have arrived, like I've fucking checked, like. We, we've reached the goal of where we've been trying all these years to get to a hundred percent. And what's crazy is I've, I've had that feeling a couple of different times where I used to work at specialized and then I get hired at bar X and I'm driving home on the five freeway. And cause I take the 55 to the five going towards Whittier mm -hmm. and I pass by angel stadium mm -hmm. and I'm like, I fucking made it because I'm going to be worth out. I'm going to be at angel stadium mm -hmm. as a mechanic working there. Like I, I made it. And then, so then a one comes around. I'm like, wow, I'm here on track walk. So I had that feeling again. And then the next year, actually as a mechanic at a one on a factory team, we're just walking through the semi for the first time at the shop was like, even now, like I have reached the point where I've set out since I was in middle school. Like this is where I wanted to be, mm. whether it's 250 guy, 450 guy, whatever, like this, this is where I wanted to be. And, uh, no, so it, it was very heartfelt for me. Cause yeah. 
Um, and to be honest, I didn't, I, <laughs> my naive self said, I'm going to get there right out of school. That was when I was in middle school. But yeah. when you get into it, it's like, okay, that's, that's a, that's a ways away. You know, like it's, it's going to be hard for me to get there and for me to do it. I'm 21 now at mm-hmm. 20 to me, for me to do it at 20, it was kind of unreal. Um, you don't hear a lot of stories like that know. of mechanics doing that. I don't hear any. I, uh, There's only one other one, and that's Jacob at PC, uh, okay. Hammaker's mechanic. Yeah, he was 19 when he won a race with Seth. Oh, he's the wow. young, I think he's the youngest. Okay, but I I pictured myself as I can do that. I'm capable of that, and I haven't won a race yet. But yeah. I've won a heat race, not a main. But um, no, like I. I'm capable of that. You know, that's, that's the pictures that I'm seeing. Yeah. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. do you ever like look back, like you were saying like this level of naivety that you had as a, as a middle schooler, like Mm -hmm. this is where I'm going to go. Yeah. And then like, do you ever look back on it? Like, all right, you are, you, you achieved your goal, like what you set out to do, Mm -hmm. but do you ever look back and be like, fuck, that was like pretty gnarly. Like, cause there's like almost a level of blind ignorance you have to have. Yeah. Cause it's the same with my career. Like Mm -hmm. I, I look back on everything I've accomplished and set out to do and I've checked all the boxes. Yeah. But I'm like, that was fucking blind ignorance because this yeah. was, I should have quit yeah. multiple times. Yes. Yeah. Like, the, yeah. like, and if I had to do it all over again, I, I don't know that I have it in me to, to, <laughs> yeah. to, to, to do that uh-huh. again. Like it's a, fuck, yeah. it's a lot. Yeah. Um, I think for me, my goals as a mechanic were pretty much do the work, do a good job and you get good results. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it, my, a lot of my goals weren't based on other people, um, or like a rider's success. Like, Oh, I want to win a championship. I, a championship would be badass. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but I don't have the goal of winning a championship for my own happiness. Like my, my goals were rooted in, in finding happiness within myself. Mm-hmm. That was the whole, my whole argument, my whole understanding on why I became a mechanic was because I love the job. I would do this for myself on my deathbed. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, there is a lot of blindness where I'm like, oh shit, like getting, becoming a factory mechanic is, it's, it takes a lot. And there's a yeah. lot, there's a lot of things that can go wrong that can, really halt that from happening or even completely stop it entirely. Um, and it takes just one instance of, eh, you know, or not, not paying attention or double checking it. It can happen pretty quick. Um, not even intentionally, you know, so it, it, there is a lot on the line, but I've, I think I've done everything to mentally put myself in that space. You are years upon years uh, ahead of your like your maturity level blows me yeah. away. Like yeah. I, I I was a piece of shit at twenty one. <laughs> like I know it for a fact. I sucked as a yeah. twenty one year old. Yeah, I would have been the mechanic at Bar X when TK calls me. I'd be like, all right, this is yeah. I hate to yeah. say it, but at twenty one, yeah. like, well, fuck. Here's a better opportunity, uh-huh. better money. Like, yeah, like sorry, not sorry. Yeah, and. I- that was almost me. Like I, I've had, I had those thoughts, you know, I'm st- I still am a kid. Yeah. Um, which I have to remind myself of that too. Um, and I've, I've gotten that a lot from 
many avenues in my life that I'm mature beyond my years. But I, in my head, it's just me. Like it's logical. But I think Mm -hmm. that's why my brain is mechanically wired is because I, I, I'm very methodical in my thinking Mm -hmm. that it translates into a lot of different aspects of my life. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, there are moments where I have my flare ups, I guess you could say, where I'm a kid, but <laughs> flare ups. generally I, 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 I talk about this all the time. I think I've talked about it with you a little bit is perspective. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's all about perspective, which is, I pretty much preach that, I guess, which, and I, I really like this part in the, uh, in Trey Kennard's podcast with Gypsy Tales. Mm-hmm. He talks about his, his own uh, beliefs and everything. And he talks about this one, preach the good word and only when absolutely necessary use words. And that really stuck with me, not Mm -hmm. in the religion sense, but just who I am as a person. And, Mm -hmm. and that kind of stuff is, uh, I want to be that guy, which I didn't talk about this earlier. My nickname racing was gentleman Jake. So on my race suit, it said gentleman Jake. And so that's great. There was almost this subconscious of, I need to be who I say I am, you know? And, Mm -hmm. and, um, it was actually my dad that gave me that nickname, but it's true. Like I, I consider myself a gentleman. I mean, it's not really up to me, but it's that part of who I am of, I want to be that good person that, that preaches who I am without saying it, which I'm yeah. saying it now on a podcast, but, I, but I know, I understand what you're saying through the day to day, through my interactions with people. I feel like I can help be that, that person. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I get that. I try, I mean, I feel like I've always, even though I definitely did suck when I was your age, uh, <laughs> I think a similar perspective of like, like just be kind, be yeah, respectful. Don't be a dick. Yeah, don't don't be a dick. That's like, what it be, comes down to. Really. Be aware, especially like in my position. I know because I've been doing this for yeah. so long. Yeah, that guy comes under the tent with a camera. It's mm-hmm. like fuck off. Yeah, like, yep, it, go away. Yeah, and it's I get it because there's a lot of people in the paddock mm-hmm. with cameras that give people like yeah. a real uh-huh. bad name. Yeah, I'm like fuck. Um, so, well, it's almost that young mechanic that doesn't know to put the pit board out or stand on the right side of the bike. Yeah. And those are the ones that make, you know, it, it, it's a part of that learning curve, that mm-hmm. that not understanding and not having the experience to say this is the etiquette or this is the, the kind way to do it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah. So I've, I feel like I've, I've always tried to like, I guess, pride myself on like just being self-aware of the situations. Yeah. Like, like we have some examples this we year. We have examples this <laughs> yeah. year and I like, yeah. So yeah. yeah, our last race, I was I yeah. I made myself very scarce. Mm-hmm. Yep, so that just, last one was. A... That was like, I don't. No one needs to see me. Like I know, yeah. I'm, I know that I'm not going to use any of this for what we're doing. Yeah. So like, what the fuck's like? Yeah, I'll just fucking uh-huh. like. There's no need. And I know, but I know other people that hold cameras. They would have just been like fucking off oh, right in it. And yeah. it's like, dude, yeah. fucking read the room. Mm-hmm. There, but I think that's what makes you so good at your job is. Not only being able to read the room, but the understanding of the the big picture, the story that you're trying to tell, but also what's the the racing side of it. Where a lot of these guys are are filmers that like dirt bikes. They're not they're not into the whole racing thing or how 
what racing is about, where you have the mechanics, the managers, the riders that are all about the racing, where you have the filmers that are like, oh, dirt bikes are cool. And now there's drama happening. Oh, I can film this. Like, yeah. like this can get a, a bunch of views, but there's a difference between the people that get racing and the people that are there because they like dirt bikes. Yeah. It's yeah. which you have a good grasp on, I think. I, I try. I mean, even <laughs> Unadilla, Una I pushed my luck with, with Justin. Yeah, when, but you know, but, and it, I don't blame you. I, so there's a bit of a backstory to that somewhat. Like really? Justin and I started working together in 2020 when he signed with Gas Gas. Okay. And instantly we just like, I feel like hit it off. Like yeah. just good relationship. Mm-hmm. I think he may have been familiar with some of my work. Yep. I don't know, but like it just, the relationship works. And so he's like, all around a good dude. Like all, he yeah, is such a good dude. Yeah. I always tell people like whatever his attitude is on the bike, mm-hmm. it's not who he is as a no. person. He is such a kind yep. human. I always say whatever the... Whatever you see in BAM TV is exactly how he is as a person. Like, yes. that, there is no character in BAM TV that is that's, Justin Barsha. Yeah, it's fucking, it's uh-huh. so good. And, uh, I mean, it's just throughout my years of experience, like being, like, you read the room and, yep. like, I, I'm there, like, I want to get the story and be mm-hmm. able to tell the story. And that yep. includes the ugly shit, but yeah. there's a way to go about it. Yeah. I feel like. And, for sure. And throughout, like working with him and doing like Red Bull Moto Spy and in mm-hmm. 2021, I was assigned to the TLD team with mm-hmm. Justin for all the Moto Spy stuff. Yep. So like did all the residencies with them yeah. and and um, there was a few moments that weren't good and yeah. I was able to get those shitty moments without fucking being yeah. from me to you. Exactly. You know? And I'm yeah. at at one point. I th- Amber had come up to me and was like, Hey, thank you for like, mm-hmm. b- like being spatially aware. Yeah. Like, yeah. she's like, we, I really appreciate that you're able to get what you need, but not fucking mm-hmm. have the camera in his face. I'm sure. Yeah. Cause you, how many other filmers have been that guy in Justin's, I mean, Justin's had his fair share of experiences where yeah. a filmer can be in his face. You know? Yeah. Yeah. And <laughs> so Unadilla this year when that ha- that uh, yeah. whole deal happens he goes down the first turn I get all that I'm in the mechanics area mm-hmm. have all that and I see him pull off and sprint back to the the, yeah. the the truck and he was in between the TOD rig and his yeah, his his, his deal and I had my my long lens my seventy to two hundred on I literally I was just like I feel like I'm far enough away from him yep. to get that emotion without fucking pissing him off yeah. And it wasn't far. No, not far. No, it was far. Uh-huh. Like, yeah, you were plenty far. I felt, I felt very. I was like, I felt very comfortable. If I, I like, otherwise, I wouldn't have done it. And yeah. it was still too close. Mm-hmm. Understandably, he was pissed. Yeah, and I think the tensions were high in that moment. Where he, if you're in sight, you're you're too close. Abs- pretty much. Absolutely. Yeah. And yeah. So he. I mean, it's in the yeah. trailer. He tells me to fuck off. And yeah, I, I was like super stoked to get that moment. But then I was also like. On the inside, I was like having a bit of a panic attack. Yeah. I was oh like, no! Fuck! Did me. I just ruin I just, like, it? Yeah. Ruined the relationship. Yeah. Like, fuck. So I was like, kind of stressed, and I'm like standing there, and then Amber at one point, I don't know, maybe half hour later, mm-hmm. Amber comes up to me, and I was like, on the inside, I'm like, fuck, Uh-oh. yeah, like, here we go. Like, <laughs> mm-hmm. I was prepared for like the worst, and she was like, super apologetic. She was mm-hmm. like, it's you are all good. Don't worry about it. Like, mm-hmm. like it was just. Heat of the moment. Yeah. We know wh- why you're here, what you're trying to do. So, like, yeah. it is it is all good. All right. Like, that made me feel better. And then yeah. before the second moto, Justin came up to me, like, gave me knuckles. Like, yeah. you're all, all good. Yeah. Like, don't worry about it. I was like, okay. And yeah. then 
end of the day, Amber came up to me, gave me a hug, apologized again. Mm-hmm. And she's like, I'm so glad that you're the one doing this. Yeah. yeah. I'm not trying to toot my own horn. This no, is just yeah. like, like that be aware of the, mm-hmm. your surroundings. Mm-hmm. And so we're so glad that you're the one doing this. We wouldn't want anyone else doing this. And like, like yeah. there's going to be more moments, more moments like that. We yeah. want those mm-hmm. just, it was just one of those things. Yeah. And then Justin, same thing, like gave me yeah. a hug. He's like, dude, it's probably not the last time I'll tell you to fuck yeah, off. Yeah. But he's like, uh-huh. he's like, that's yeah. what people want to see. So For sure. keep doing that. Yeah. And I was like, okay, absolutely. I was, I was so relieved. Mm-hmm. Like, fuck. If I, if I bum them out, like I was going to be yeah. so bummed on myself. Well, and that's, that's what I mean. Essentially, that's the big story is Justin on our team and, mm-hmm. and the team working together as it, it's, it's a part of what you're trying to get. So, yeah. And, I feel like I've tried to be that welcoming person on the team. Oh yeah, um, yeah, yeah. And I mean, even then, I think everybody on the team's been dude. Everyone's pretty, been great. Yeah, pretty Phenomenal. welcoming. So best, uh, unequivocally the best. The only thing I can compare this to is in 2020 when I did mm-hmm. all the stuff for Geico Honda. Yep. Those guys like Josh and yeah. Ricky and all the mechanics like dude. Yeah, they were. So, it, it was the same thing. Yeah, it was, and I was. We were going. What I'm, we're doing with the team now was mm-hmm. what I was trying to do with yeah. them going into 2021. Yep. Then obviously everything went belly yeah. up, but yeah. like same vibes. Like yeah. everyone was just like, "Fuck yeah!" Like we love what we love what this is about, and yep. we want to like help and support. Keeping, and, yeah, yeah, yeah. And those were those videos with Geico was what introduced me to your work. And I've been a fan ever since that came out. And the real reason or the big motivator was through your mechanic interviews. There had been no media output ever that had interviewed the mechanics. Now, there were Transworld articles where they they did the bike breakdowns and then they had a little interview with the mechanic. But yeah. that was actually – so. I'll side sidetrack a little bit with the trans world. That was my favorite part of the whole magazine was the bike breakdowns on the last page. And I would always take the posters. I had the posters up in my room, but the dirt bike side, not the girl's side. Don't worry. I had, I had two because I got duplicates of the magazines and I said, fuck it. I'll put the girls up because I already got the other side, but mostly dirt bikes Two two chicks. But, um, anyway, so the, and it was Carson Mumford's one fifty fuel injected one fifty. And Christian Descharm as his mechanic. Yeah. And who's now Jet's mechanic, yep. 22 and 0. He's badass. Yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Which I actually messaged him on the school. So in that article, Christian talks about the school he went to in West Virginia. And I was like, huh. I'd still only thought MMI was the only way. Mm-hmm. And he talks about Pro SXMX Tech. And I'm like, huh. Google it. And it's this website. And I'm like, whoa, this is, this is what I want, you know? And so I was sophomore, junior in high school. When I came across this article, I'm like, oh my God, like this is, this is perfect. Now I didn't know whether I was going to go to MMI in Arizona or Florida. Like, no, I am going to West Virginia, no matter what I'm going to West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And so it was through that article with Christian where he talks about the school and then it goes into the absolute contraption that that bike was. Yeah. But yeah. then I messaged him, asked him about the school and he was still... He was working for Mumford or he had just moved to Yoder at the time. So he, he wasn't even with Jet when I messaged him. Yeah. Jet wasn't even in the States. So um, he was still young in his career. 
And I, I thought Geico was going to be my place because I was like, oh, he went to Geico. Mm, then Maddie yeah. G hired Geico. Yeah, he was at I Geico. thought I was going to go to Geico. And then Geico went belly up the yeah. same year I was got, about to go to school. So I think it was Geico, JGR. And I think there was one other team that went under that year. But there were, yeah, there, I think there were probably a handful. But yeah. two of the biggest teams that hired mechanics both went belly up. Mm-hmm. So then as I'm trying to be a mechanic, the entire industry was flooded. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, well, shit, you have all these guys. Pedro was one of them. Yeah. Archer, uh, no, Archer was at, at uh, Michael Lindsay's team, FXR. Yep. But yeah. that team also yeah, they went, went belly up. up. Yep. So it was Pedro, Archer, and then you had Derek, mm-hmm. all all the Geico guys, everybody. and Like, like heavy hitter mechanics. That's what I mean. So I'm a kid coming out of school and the entire industry is flooded with experienced mechanics. Who am I going to do? So that was another part of me straight out of school. Like I, I get why Mitch didn't hire me. There was a lot of guys that were, how many guys have walked through that door, you know? So anyways, back to trans world, that was the only articles that I saw. And then that around that same time before I'm going to school, then you drop all the mechanic interviews mm. and I hear all the stories on how the guys became factory mechanics. So you had Cam who came with Shimoda, Shimoda's guy. And then you had Derek who he grew up in Michigan and just got a phone call from a lessee and moved out there. Like <laughs> what? You know? So I had no idea how the backgrounds of all these guys were. Like it was so cool to me to see the mechanics getting, the spotlight and get the interviews. And for me as a guy that wanted to be a mechanic hearing about all this, it was really cool. And then I started watching more of your videos. I'm like, well, that's a cool shot. Oh, that's a cool shot. Like this guy's pretty badass, you know? And then now I'm telling you, Oh, look at the Red Bull can on the sprinkler box of the test track. And it's a badass shot and I'm proud of it. But, but it was, it was little stuff like that. I'm like, okay, this, this guy, Kyle, he does a good job. You know, I followed you on Instagram and I've just been keeping up. I'm like, oh, he, this, back in my mind, this guy would be cool. And then one day Max comes into the shop. Oh yeah, they're going to do a documentary. And I'm like, oh, who's, who's going to film it? You know, like who, yeah. maybe I'll know their name. Maybe I won't. Oh, Kyle, Kyle Cowling. Fuck yeah, he's badass, dude. <laughs> then we go to Paula and I introduce, like, whatever. So, oh, dude, yeah. So when I got... So TK called me like two weeks before Paula. He's mm-hmm. like, hey, this is what we want to do. And I was like, not do it. I was like so done with dirt bikes. Like I wasn't yeah. doing it anymore. I was not. And then that happened. And it was just like right timing. I already had a good relationship with mm-hmm. PB and Justin and like knew the team. And yeah. I was like, this would be a good fit. Like if I'm going to do this, this feels yeah. genuinely feels right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I was like, okay, like, yeah, let's do it. And I remember going in the corona shop and justin was doing we were i was shooting justin do the, the spider-man gear mm-hmm, stuff mm-hmm. and i think tk was there it's like tk maybe max and amanda and amanda was telling me like kind of the roster for the mechanics because it was kind of a whole new yep. staff from mm-hmm. the last couple of years of crew that i was familiar with yeah. and she had brought up your name specifically is like uh-huh. jake Loves your work, and he's so excited <laughs> yeah. to be on uh-huh. camera. And yeah. I was like, yeah. okay. And now oh, I'm here on your podcast, yeah, but no, still, yeah. 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 Uh-huh. So, Cause, yeah, she was there when, when they brought it up, and I was like, I was like, no fucking way, dude. I'm going to get an interview. What? Yeah. Yeah. So good. Uh-huh. Yeah, here we are now. And here I am um, on the podcast. That's so, yeah. So funny. And then I was talking to someone. Oh, Kenny Day from Fox. Mm-hmm. I had him on the other yep, day. Yep, that's right. That's another one I wanted and to at, watch. At, 
it made me, it, I had a moment at Iron Man before the second 250 moto. One of the filmers for Star Racing, like this Younger kind of newer kid, kid they, yeah. they hired, uh-huh. comes up to me just out of nowhere right before the start. And I think was, I've seen him. Did he have the VHS came out? I think so. He yeah. was like the team. Yeah, yeah. Stuff. yeah. Uh-huh. And, uh, and I keep an eye out. <laughs> you know what's up. Uh-huh. He, he comes up to me and he was like, hey, uh, a friend of mine showed me your work. And like I, I can't believe what you do with dirt bikes. Like it's incredible. I've never seen anyone do what you mm-hmm. do shooting dirt bikes. And I just want to say, like, I have a lot of respect for what you do. And like, I'm yep. a massive fan. Like, I absolutely love it. And the whole time in my head, I'm like, Do you have the right person? Like, that's yeah. What my did you head, mix me up yeah, with somebody? I, the whole, yeah. I was just like, Oh, like, thank you. Like, yeah. I appreciate it. But I, the whole time, I was like, You're for sure got me mixed up with yeah. someone else. I don't like. Not me. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. make me very uncomfortable right now. Yeah. <laughs> you are not supposed to be talking to me yeah. right now. This is, uh, it's for sure a different Kyle. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know his name either. Uh, yeah. I, I, I don't like, know. Oh, yeah, this, thank you. Yeah. He, that, that one. Yeah, yeah. That kid. So, like, that yeah. was happening. It made me think back to my meeting with Amanda and them at the shop. And Amanda's mm-hmm. saying, oh, Jake's a big fan of your work. I'm yeah. Like, Got the right person? Yeah. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. And then you have no idea who this kid is. Uh, yeah. 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 And then at Paula, I say, hey, I'm Jake. Big fan of your work. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh-huh. I think I put a mic on you and you're like, I watched all uh, your Geico videos. and I think I may have had a mic. I don't know yeah, if you were. I put a mic. I'm pretty sure. Maybe. Pretty sure I had a mic maybe. on that day. Because it was with Caden. Yeah. And yeah. maybe I did have a mic on me. Yeah. I can't remember. I don't remember. But I remember we redid my interview. Yeah, that day because right. I was yeah. not pumped on the first one. Yeah, yeah. Can we redo that? And then I, I yeah, I love that. Made shit. it better. I love that shit because it's like, oh, these guys, these guys care. And yeah, Max has been like that too. Max has been like, do you think I can? Like, what can I do better? Like, mm-hmm. like, do you think I can improve anywhere? Like, when you're asking me questions or like, mm-hmm. he's called me a few times and been like, hey, I have an idea for this. And yeah, I'm like, oh wow, you guys like. Yeah, you guys are into it. Like that's yeah. fucking makes my job even easier for sure. Yeah, it's, it's refreshing. And you've definitely got a lot of content from this year. We got this year was wild. We got a lot. Um, I we only got like fifteen minutes or so. I'm gonna get you out of here. Mm, um, good. But I want to get into like the rider mechanic relationship yep. and with you and PB, like mm-hmm. how the dynamic works. Because obviously yep. each, I know you've only had Derek and PB, but like. Yep. Derek's very different from PB. PB is different from Derek. Yep. Like, what's that like getting to know your guy and like how do you yeah. kind of manage and handle that mm-hmm. that relationship? So, a lot of it is me thinking how what would I want on, like if I was the rider, mm-hmm. and I feel like I'm very different because when I'm on the track, I'm thinking about oh how can I make the bike better, which ultimately the I was racing to find an excuse to work on the bike. So my racing career is a little different. I'm not racing to, to win it. I mean, I was, yeah. but my, my views were skewed towards the end when I was pretty good is cause I was thinking about other stuff, but how I was when I raced was, I didn't want my dad to talk to me. Like he would mm-hmm. talk to, or other people like, just leave me the fuck alone. Honestly, let yeah. me, let me get in my zone and I'll race how I'm going to race, you know? Yeah. And, but I feel like I had the, that's just the rider I was, yep. was I was very calm and, and confident in how I was going to do. And most rider, some riders are totally different. Some riders smack their helmet and need hyped up and listen to music. Like I've tried, tried a couple different things, but ultimately me being calm before the race was what I enjoyed and mm-hmm. preferred. So 
that first six months of working with a rider, you're just figuring out who they are. So for Derek, Derek was that calm kid. You know, he very to himself. Like Mm -hmm. I took him out to lunch. This is something I've been doing. Like I'll take my rider out to lunch at the beginning of the year. And then I took Pierce out for his birthday too. But Mm. like I, I took Pierce out to lunch and we didn't know what to talk about. Like it was, it was just, that's just who Derek is. He's a very quiet kid to himself. And but he, he just doesn't talk much. And so, yeah. um, we, that was just kind of, it was easy for me because I just did my job and I let Derek do his thing. Cause mm-hmm. that's who Derek was. Yep. And he, Derek did what he was going to do. He had his, his, he was in his zone, but with Pierce, Pierce is more outgoing. Um, and he's younger than Derek. Mm-hmm. Um, but he Pierce has his own things. So that the first six months working for Pierce on the team, it was just I was observing. I was observing Pierce. I was observing his interaction with Will, with mm. the team, mm. with everybody. And same with Barx, but it was it wasn't as involved or dynamic, I should say. Yeah. TLD's a lot more we do a lot more testing. There there's just a lot more with yeah, with a, any factory, factory team. team. Exactly. Yeah. So um for Pierce, I we have Will, so Will is very good with Pierce. They get along well where Will knows how to keep Pierce in his own. Mm-hmm. I think my advantage or where I can help Pierce is mentally. We're the same age, but like you said, I have a different perspective mm-hmm. on uh, just maturity, but just calmness in general. Pierce gets very um, – he can get – uh, emotional uh, it's not you yeah, know what i mean yeah, when i say emotional yeah, it's no, he gets exactly. very involved yeah. um in his riding and how he races and it's almost or, like he cares like, he, d- he does he's so so he cares a lot so uh i feel like where i'm the opposite is i'm very calm and easygoing with the flow yeah so i can think back to a2 where we had a triple crown and then first race. I can't remember what happened in the first race, but with McAdoo, McAdoo goes, Pierce is passing McAdoo. McAdoo falls, clips his handlebar. Pierce, you know, crashes. And then now it's a triple crown. So he's got no time to make it back up. He just got screwed and he was just pissed. And this was what I'm still observing. Like this is only my, cause yeah, they canceled Oakland. This is my third race with the guy. Mm-hmm. And, through his crash at Anaheim one, he was still kind of still a little hurt and yeah. still, we're just trying to make up points, you know, cause he still had only missing one race. Like he, there was still a shot and then, um, basically just managing. So for Pierce, where I'm kind of working with him is that mental side of things where he's fast enough. The kid is so fast, so it's talented, yeah. so strong on the bike that when he does get, into those like emotional moments, it throws off his riding. It affects his riding. So me, Will, everybody have been working with, with Pierce to show him the building blocks. We talk about building blocks a lot. Mm -hmm. Um, so it's just the mental, the mental toughness, really. Um, the kids, he's in incredible shape. He's an incredible rider. I mean, he's qualified. He's been battling for P1 with Jet Lawrence, this over Supercross. Like it was him and, jet p1 so but then when the race comes around it 
can get skewed very easy and yeah. thrown off his 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 course, you know. Um, so that's a lot. We've got a plan for this off season. Hopefully, we can you know dial it back in and get it all going. And we had such a good off season this year that it can be. We want to recreate that, but then do better too. So yeah, uh, a lot of it is managing the rider. I know Mosey, Jay, and Mosey had their own thing. Mosey was very methodical. He had his yeah. process. Yeah. If it got thrown off his process, it would get. He would just be, you know, thrown off. Yeah. Um, Pierce is more easygoing. Really, the only thing is, once the mechanics get told to go, me and him fist bump, and I let him do his thing. He gets told what he needs to get told by Will. Will goes. I'm the last person with him. I don't tell him anything, or I t- only tell him very short moments. I try. Some riders want to hear everything. I try to keep it as minimal as possible with with Pierce. Yeah. So, yeah, it's. I think each rider is different. Each rider is going to have their own things they want, yeah. and each mechanic is going to have their own way to go about things. So it's mm-hmm. it's finding a good rider mechanic pairing, whether they're the same person or whether they're polar opposites. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like a like a relationship or a friendship, whatever yeah, you absolutely. you have those the people that are the same, but then the people that are polar opposites that help build each other. Yeah. So um, it it just depends. And then for Pierce, he's had a different mechanic every year. He's been pro. Mm-hmm. Like he hasn't had the same guy. So for me going into my second year with him, I have that, I don't have that six month waiting period where nothing happens. We're already going into the off season working on the next yeah. stuff. So with Will staying with Pierce, with me staying with Pierce, it's, it's going to be a good there's stability. There's good stability. He knows what to expect. He's not getting a new bike. Yeah. It's the bike is staying the same. He had a really good super cross base. And so there's the bikes just, it's only getting better really mm-hmm. um so yeah it's building blocks that's what me and will talk about all the time with pierce yeah. building blocks yeah i feel like just I, I don't know that the results necessarily reflect it but from what i've seen from pb this year and mm-hmm. i've been working with him i think since 2019 yeah he was an amateur with the yep. team like you can definitely see that, like the the emotions are becoming more in check and like mm-hmm. like starting to see like some light at the end yes. of the tunnel yes so we, we've talked about that. Like the, the results for him this year have just been, they don't show the work that's been put in. Yeah. Um, and he's, he gets very frustrated about that, but that's what Will and I are there. We were, we keep reminding him like, look, you are, you've gotten so, you've improved so much mm-hmm. that there's, we just need to keep working on the building blocks and your time will come. Yeah. You can, you know, you can be, you're the fastest guy, but you just, let's keep, you need to see, he needs to see that. If yeah. he keeps so focusing on McAdoo crashing and then catching his handlebar or whatever, whatever it is going down in the first turn. Yeah. If you can see that big picture, that, that two-year plan that we've talked about, mm-hmm. that is going to be, that's where it's at. Yeah. You can't get focused on the little stuff. Yeah. Which yeah. that's just something that comes with time and, and reinforcing yep. those ideas. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think, I feel like once he unlocks all of it it's it, it's he's fast enough the, the kid's oh, yeah. fast enough it's just the mental strength and that's just yeah. something that's going to come with time yeah what um for you at this level now what's the most challenging aspect of your job managing uh managing managing time managing my practice bikes because pierce is in california you know uh basically every austrian group team they all are out of Bakers and in Florida. So as a race mechanic, your job's pretty easy. You just build a Florida bike, come in once 
like during the race season, you only come to the shop once and you do your build kit for the, for the next weekend and you're gone, you know, yeah. uh, you get a day off, but for Pierce riding twice a week and having to do the build kit and having to manage the pra- two practice bikes and then just the whole aspect of it, plus all the other shop stuff that needs to go on and the other side projects you got managing that. This is my first year having to practice, but you know, it's, it's, yeah. there's a lot of firsts this year. So I'm learning to balance all that and then to balance my home being at home. Like mm-hmm. when do I do my laundry? You know, like yeah. if I'm at the shop till nine, both days I'm at the shop through the week, when do I do my laundry and pack and then clean my bathroom, clean my room? Like, yeah. and then I got to be up at six to go to the shop, to pick the bike up, to go to the track. And then I'm at the track till three testing. Like it, there's there's a lot to it. And some of these guys have wives or girlfriends and I'm like, I'm a one man show right now. So, yeah. um, <laughs> I'm managing all that. And then mentally, like it's a lot, like you just, I'm learning to balance everything. That, that I think is the biggest, uh, the biggest thing is just managing, yeah. um, managing myself. Yeah. And that's something that's hard to know it's coming before you get here like you know it's a lot you just don't know exactly how much mm-hmm. so, yeah yeah how how has it been like having a guy like ollie as yeah. a crew chief with the experience that guy has like unreal like yeah like, i know he and him and i talk about it, like his level of intensity yeah i uh-huh. i fucking love it it's awesome it is so great like it's mm-hmm. it's like a TV character sometimes yeah. where I'm uh-huh. like, oh my God, this is... And the accent only makes it yeah, better. Yeah, it's so, yeah. Like, I, I, we, I feel like him and I bonded. I think after Millville, it was just him and I in the rental car back yeah. to the hotel. So it was like that mm-hmm. hour and a half drive. Yep, and, that drive time is so... It's, yeah, we can go on a whole talk about y- that too. Yeah. But yeah, that was like, for me, one of the most valuable experiences I've had this summer was just yep. to like have one-on-one with Ollie and like mm-hmm. get to shoot the shit. Yeah. And I was like, after that car ride, I was like, we're we're tight we're like we yeah li- we're boys we, we're boys <laughs> yeah, yeah and uh so it's been so like for me rad to like be around them and watch them work and yeah. like see the intensity so like mm-hmm. you like I mean, yeah he kind of is overseeing you guys yep. like what's that experience been like yeah like you me as a kid growing up racing you have that that love for racing which mm-hmm. Some mechanics are riders that didn't make it and they became a mechanic because whatever. But they, ultimately they wanted to be the guy on the track, not the mechanic where I feel like me, especially, I can't really speak for Ollie, but you have mechanics that are in the industry that came there to be mechanics, not because they didn't make it as a rider. Yeah. And so like I say it, like they just get it, whoever, whoever that is, like they, they just get it. This is racing, you know, mm-hmm. as a mechanic. I think Ollie just gets it. Like that's his shit. That's he's found what he's good at. I feel like I'm in that same boat where we get it, you know? And so it's, we're on the same page with a lot of things we can, I think we're a good team. Um, but we bounce off each other and he's funny. You shoot crack jokes at each other. Like you've seen it, you've been there. Like it's, and in the shop, it's just 10 times because it's just (laughs) shooting shit all day. Um, but no, with, with Ollie, he's invaluable because of the experience he's had. And there's, there's things he's talked about. And I'm like, how, where did you see that? Like mm-hmm. how, and 
I got that with working with Larry a little bit. Like we've yeah. tested stuff. I'm like, oh yeah, we did this back in 96 with, with whoever it was. Like, yeah. yeah, McGrath tested this and it did this. I'm like, okay, let's try it with Derek Drake now. <laughs> like yeah. this little stuff like that. But, yeah. but same thing with Ollie, like there's stuff we talked about and this is where I, I come in and me and Ollie work together on is I have the understanding that I, I think me and Ollie are very similar and Ollie's been around the block and he's worked with Mitch and he's had those those days with all these great minds mm-hmm. and he's seen everything like working with Bones. And yeah. so on days where, oh yeah, let's try this and it works and it's like, oh yeah, we did that back with AC and when he was a rookie, like, yeah. okay. So I know I'm like, I am becoming my own version of an Ollie through the things that I've seen. Cause Ollie's been in that same boat. He's been at the MXGPs when it's pouring rain and it's about to get super muddy, like at New Jersey this year, there's, yeah. we're in the tunnel and he's talking about stuff that he did back when he was in Europe. And I'm like, well, this is so fucking cool, you know? And it sucks in the moment cause I'm soaking wet. I just want to get out. Of, I want to get into dry pants, yeah. but yeah. it's so cool because it's, it's, this is what I like. This is why I took this job. Yeah. So to have a guy like him, managing it and to see the big picture and we're all on the same page it's just we have a good i think a good thing going yeah yeah that's mm-hmm. i feel like too i feel like it goes for any role but yep. especially for you guys like as mechanics like it is long-term very beneficial to not have an ego and like be a sponge when you have someone like ollie yeah. around like, yeah it's like like you said he's been around the block he for was sure. at, with mitch for for sure over a decade yeah like he has knowledge it's like when he speaks, listen, yeah. absorb. Yep, yep. And there, there have been times, like, always been transparent with me. He's like, this is my first year as a crew chief. Like, mm-hmm. there, there's things that he's learning. There's things that I'm learning. And, like, there, there are things I've, I've straight up told Ollie, like, I don't know enough about this particular thing to be confident in my answer. He's mm-hmm. like, okay, well, then do this. And he's even come to, like, he was out of the shop this past week and, I called him up. He's like, dude, just do what you got to do. I trust you. Like whatever needs to happen, make it happen. Mm-hmm. And it was like, whoa, like I've never gotten that kind of freedom before for my own. I mean, it was just what day do I, or how can I plan whatever it was, yeah. but it was that, that trust in me and that trust in him to say like, no, you're, you're good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it, it's, it is, intimidating in a way but it's also cool when we're all on the same page yeah for sure um just a couple more things yeah. here for you we'll get you on out um for you career wise yeah. where like long term where do you see yourself where do you want to go or is it like where you're at right now like yeah. or is that is that it you know as a kid in high school this is where i wanted to be i i looked up to ollie mm-hmm. as that's the guy like i that's where I want to be. I want to do what he did, which he had his own different path through the GPs. But yeah, he was he was working for PC, worked with the best guys. He was with Forkner, like, mm-hmm. and he had his own thing with Forkner, and Forkner had his own career. But the the he was at the end goal. Like that's where I want to be. It wasn't I want to be like a four fifty guy. I want to be Villapoto's mechanic, win a bunch of titles, or mm-hmm. I want to be Jets guy and have a perfect season like that. That's cool, but that's not what I wanted to do. And for me, it was, I want to cross this off my bucket list and get in, get out, which is crazy. But the, I knew this wasn't something I could do forever. Mm-hmm. I travel way too much. I'm gone. This is 
31? There's 31 races this year? I think so. How many races? I mean, we kind of missed some for injuries, but you 31 weekends out of the year, like, there's only 52. Like mm-hmm. that's, that's a lot. So, and then let alone all the practice days and, yeah. and the other trips that you're taking and yeah. all that stuff. So, um, I knew this wasn't something I could sustain. I still wanted to have a normal life and I'm, I know I am a good enough. I, I'm tooting my own horn here a lot on this podcast, but, but I know, like I've told myself from the beginning, like I can do whatever I want. I'm strong enough to, mold myself into whoever I need to be. It's just, am I going to be happy doing it? Yeah. And for me, like I am comfortable and happy being a mechanic, but I can't do the schedule forever. So is yeah. there something where I can make, like, I want to have, I want to make money. I want to have my own house, have a family. So it's at what point do I find that other Avenue other than being a mechanic, which right now I don't know what that is. There's a yeah. lot of different paths and a lot of different people in the industry that have their own things. So for me, it's, when that opportunity comes, that is a bridge I'll cross when I get there. For right now, I'm almost just experiencing what I set out to do and, and I've made it, you know? Yeah. So I just want to sit and enjoy my these next years as a mechanic because yeah. this is what I set out to do. Yeah, for sure. Um, few of the, a couple of these are things I've already asked you because yep. we have our little, yep. little banter. Uh-huh. What are you thinking? Day. What are you thinking? Um uh, realist, optimist, or pessimist? I feel like I'm a optimistic realist okay. in a way. Um, yeah, uh, I definitely am not going to sugarcoat it, yeah. but I do feel like I can help see the positive perspective on mm-hmm. it, which I think that's all a part of perspective. I'm not going to fluff like fluff you, but yeah, I'm definitely going to, and even in my own self, like I don't cut myself short, but I also see like, look, this isn't a bad thing. Everything has a positive to it. Yeah. You're going to learn something. And that kind of goes into it maybe on your list, but the regrets question, like I don't have regrets because I've learned something in every, in every interaction I've had or anything yeah. that's gone wrong. I've learned something from that. Yeah. And I would have rather had that experience or that life lesson versus what could have been or what could have happened for me to learn that lesson. Yeah. I'd rather learn it now. So, yeah. um, an optimistic realist. I like it. Um, guilty pleasure. Not you, doing anything on the weekends. Okay. Like a, a sitting and not doing anything. Okay. Um, We're almost done, babe. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, no, sitting down and not doing anything. What I did this past weekend where okay. I had... I had a couple of days off and I am not leaving the house. That's yeah. my guilty pleasure. Okay. That's fair. Mm-hmm. I like that. Uh, and ice cream. I guess we can throw that in there. Favorite, I really like ice favorite cream. Favorite flavor? Cookie dough. All okay. Day. Okay. It's in the freezer right now at my house. Ooh, okay. Um, all right. Last thing I'm going to, I'm going to hit you with. All right. I'm ready like, for this Like one. I said, you don't, I'm we don't need an answer one. right yep. now. It's short and simple. Well, it's not simple, but why is there something instead of nothing? Okay. Yeah, I'm definitely gonna have to get back to you on that. <laughs> I think you've asked me one similar to that. I think I've asked you one similar, yeah. Mm-hmm. But yeah. Oh, um What would it have been? How can there be what? nothing without something or something it was something it was very similar. Uh, but So I've I've asked you on race day, uh if time That's is, this is what it was. If time is a man made construct or not. Yep. Uh and then there was uh, 
Do you think the world would be a better place or a worse place if everyone thought the same way? I think it was it was one of those. The two. answers for those two, I think, yeah. were kind of along the same lines yeah. or very philosophical. Yes. Yeah. How can there be something without nothing? Oh, just why is there something? Why is there something instead of nothing? Instead of nothing. Like I said, wow. we don't have. We don't have. We can. Yeah. We can do a, we can do a uh-huh. part two. Yep. No, you'll have to ask me what I'm thinking this weekend. All right. Well, you'll be mic'd up, so we can. I'll be mic'd can, up. We can just throw that into this end of this podcast. Episode. We can do that. We can yeah, do that. That's easy. I like that. Yeah. Or we can do it on video, and then it can be like a little social thing on the Instagram as well. We could do that. That would be. You could do that. Yeah. We got options. We got yeah. yeah. We we'll, we'll put it put it put it in that. Come back to that. Sweet. Um, I think that's all I got for you, sir. Perfect. Thank you for having me yeah. on. Thanks, Thanks for dude. putting me in the chair. Yeah, of course. Finally. Anytime. This is an outro. I've had to record this multiple times because I keep fucking it up and I don't know what I'm supposed to say because I have discovered outros are weird. And if you ever do a podcast and you have to do your own outro, you will also discover that this is weird. But here we are. Trying to make it less weird but probably making it more weird. Anyways, uh, thank you to everyone that listened to that episode. I really appreciate it. Hope every one of you enjoyed it and got some insight into and, uh, hmm. Yeah, I'm not doing this again. So we're going to roll with that fumble. Um, hmm. I hope that you got some insight and perspective uh, into the story you just heard from who was most definitely a rad individual um and like i said up front if you haven't already you can find us on apple podcasts spotify google amazon iHeartRadio, wherever you like to cast your pods we're there uh so give it a follow subscribe rate review comment love it or leave it uh, and find us on Instagram at underscore the field experiment, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, all the social stuff. Cause you know, influence and new episodes every Monday morning, 5am Pacific standard time, 8am Eastern standard time, every Monday, new episode. Uh, so yeah, hope to see you back again. Thank you to everyone that listened. Hope you enjoyed and we'll see you next week.